finally aos has come back to whatever it is that you listen to us on i'm of course of course i am of course of course of course of of course of course i am your co-host ryan today on the show we got a little bit to get caught up on through the uh february of 1996 we got a couple of headlines that we got to hit of course vince doing vince thing rock doing rock things you know that whole gang aew spending some money on talent mercedes monet okada maybe coming in and johnny uh should we call him rotten at this point uh flipping on vince oh uh, let's not besmirch the good name of johnny Rotten. Uh, johnny ace of course flipping on vince johnny ace hole that and so much more we will discuss with our star of the show mr jd mr jd how you be well i think star is overselling it it's just i'm the second guy to talk um i'm doing well ryan how about yourself uh know we had some issues some real life got in the way uh but uh here we are we're back we're better than ever and we're ready to do it all again yeah what say you ryan we're doing fine. We're doing fine, my man. I appreciate the prayers. Thank you for the phone calls, everything else. We're doing good now. Um, but in the meantime, why don't you follow us on Twitter? Follow us on Facebook at Army of Smartness. And, of course, email that Gmail, Army of Smartness at gmail.com. First things up on the agenda here today, we keep talking about this guy. And I'm not talking about CM Punk. I'm talking about yeah. Vince McMahon. Jenny, what's going I mean, on? DM Hunk. What's what's going on with Mr. McMahon now? Well, in a story that just will not stop developing, uh, <clears throat> Johnny Ace has bravely turned state's evidence on uh, on Vincent Kennedy McMahon, and will be making a final stand on his own. Um, he says, you know, essentially he was the victim too. Uh, look how often uh, Vince exercised control, and I say this through his attorney mind you um look how often in in uh miss grant's statement or allegation um that vince exerts control over the both of them and you know i guess to an extent he has a point here but you, you know why i don't know that uh johnny would have taken much coercion to go along with what vince wanted to do here i just i mean that that's an outsider's opinion obviously so take that for what it's worth but yeah, um, he also mentioned, as we talked about back in uh, back a year or so ago, uh, whatever it was, um, Johnny Ace's lawyer seemed to confirming, you heard it here first, that the WWE was well aware, or at least certainly Vince was well aware of um, the Ashley Massaro situation that happened in, in, in Kuwait, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, one of the tribute to the troop shows where she alleged to have been uh, drugged and uh, raped by by servicemen over there. Um, so, you know, Johnny said apparently through, again, through his attorney that everyone was well aware of that situation, but no cover-up occurred. Well, if you didn't report anybody, how is that not a cover-up, first of all? So a lot of things going on here. Ryan, uh, you know, it's it's getting hard to keep track of this. Yes, and of course, we reported uh, the said rumor on Miss Macera. This was been a little over a year ago. Um, of course, there's there's more to it when it comes to her and Vince. Uh, of course, Vince and, and Johnny. That's right. Um, implored her to fly private with them. 
and uh, mm-hmm. apparently Miss Macero was uncomfortable in doing so and asked Mr. Um, uh, what's the, what was the other guy that just left? Um, Dunn, Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn about it. And Kevin Dunn basically told her if he says get on the plane, get on the plane. Uh, but if he tries to come on to you, just fake sit, basically. Yeah, and because he is a germaphobe, of all things. But I don't, I don't <laughs> believe that anymore. But uh, no, Mr. Poopy Kaka Head. No, I don't. I don't believe we can uh, accurately uh, say that anymore. It doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's okay with that, but don't you dare sneeze around him. Um, right, it's a sign of weakness not to be able to hold in a sneeze. But if he can't hold, make, control his bowels, that's none of your damn concern. Yeah, something I don't know. Something, something. something. Well, as in the words of the immortal uh, Norm Macdonald, I think the worst part is the hypocrisy, uh, or the drugging and the raping. One of the two. Something just ain't adding up on that. I don't know what it is. Either we, either somebody's lying on the front end or the back end, but I refuse to believe that both both of those things can be true about the same person. Um. Anyways, um. But anywho, so in, in addition to Vince, we, we can now have a new board member of a TKO group. Of course, we, we mentioned this in a previous episode, but uh, Mr. Dewey. Now more has unfolded. Mr. Dewey, the Rock Johnson, of course, is a member of the board and, of course, has inserted himself in creative uh, with WWE. And all's, for all intents and purposes, he's doing something at Mania. I refuse to believe that they give him a $30 million package uh, to join the board and then say, hey, you don't have to wrestle at Mania. No, he's doing it. Um, You want the Rock at Mania. The question is, who or what? Who? What? What should he be doing? Um, Of course, we're at a point where the business is Certainly the live attendance and the people online seem to be rooting for the Cody versus Roman match. Uh, and that is currently booked to be the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, they've announced but, that. But I don't know about you, man. I smell a swerve coming. Um, uh, I think we've had enough swerves in this road. I smell a swerve. Uh, something, I think it's time to just admit defeat and give the people what they want. That math ain't mathing. And uh, there's no way that The Rock is staying home on Mania. Uh, oh, no, no. He'll be doing something. He just won't be in that match. I think it will. But uh, mm-hmm. anyways, so we'll we'll see how that uh, works out. And I, I know one pitch has been there. There'd be a tag match on night one between uh, Cody Rollins and The Rock and Roman. So, um, yeah. I, but if but if you're gonna headline night two, I just don't know. I mean, sure, yeah, sure, you could make it work, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a good way to hide Rock because he was not in tip top ring shape ten years ago when he had his last last match. Um, so you know, I, I think they're going to be looking for a way to kind of uh, put some window dressing around the Rock, and I think the tag match is, is a good cover up for him uh, in that regard. So. You know, put me in on team uh, tag team match, and then let's get down to business, if you will. Uh, finish the story night two of WrestleMania. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Roman's only two hundred days away from breaking Hogan's record. 
Well, and you know, and a lot of people talk about that, but uh, let me counter with this: Who gives a shit? Um, the it's not like Hulk Hogan is number one. I mean, Bruno Sammartino held the belt for like eight years, seven or eight years. So who cares? So you know, and and then um, was it uh, was it Pedro the hell the next longest or no? He's already passed Pedro. I don't recall. Uh, I apologize for not remembering offhand. But as Conrad Thompson's pointed out on his show, who gives a shit who's third on the list? I mean, that's not important. Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think that Roman has too much gas left in the tank as, as champion. I think you've got to get that off of him, put it on Cody, and then if you want to have a you know some sort of a match for the head of the table between Rock and Roman at SummerSlam, I'm all for it. I'm here for that, as the kids say. And I'll even do you one better. I'll I'll see you. Rock and Roman at SummerSlam and raise you Cody and friend of the show Carl's favorite Randy Orton at SummerSlam. Come on, what kind of a double bill is that? I don't think. Yeah, I think Roman wins at Mania. That's where I'm. That's where I'm at currently. We'll see if it changes. All right, then we're officially done. And enjoy the last episode of this podcast, the one right before WrestleMania, if, we, if that is, is in fact what happens. Him too afraid to get out because him just a little guy. But uh, <laughs> nah. Where did that Tommy I, Boy I, reference come from? That was weird, but okay. I don't know. It just just sounded uh, appropriate on this. Uh, Bad. T- okay, non sequitur city. Here we come. Uh, wrestling fans are so dramatic. Um, but anyways, anyways, we got. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just at this point, <sighs> hell, why not? Speaking of why not. We've got uh, AEW spending some money. Because why not? Because, hell, why not? Uh, They don't really have much of a choice at this point. They're so devoid of stars um, in their current roster that they had to go out there and just buy them. Of course, Mm -hmm. Mercedes Monet has been at least confirmed by Fightful and the Wrestling Observer to be making her debut with AEW, I believe, in an upcoming show. Uh, gosh, where's she from? Uh, Boston. Boston. And, B-O-S-S-T-O-N. Yeah. Uh, and they it's really cool. They put the S with the little dollar, dollar signs. signs. Yeah, it's just clever. Okay, I see what you're doing. And, of course, uh, Okada and Will Ospreay also rumored to be uh, going AEW as well, so which uh, uh, Osprey's been there for a year and a half already, so it's about time to make an honest man of him, I guess. I mean, so sure, why not? Well, I mean, they don't really have much of a choice. Uh, they've they've hey. they've got to get people on this. Sh- uh, they got to get another TV deal. The only way say, or or that, what? And the only way you do that is add more talent um they don't currently have uh what you would call a minor league system that they're pushing them up through the pros yes it is called new japan um yeah that's that's not it they've got ring of honor they seem to be wasting that um you know really what is there to waste i mean there's just a name there's a name and some belts that's all ring of honor was anymore i mean if this had been 15, 20 years ago, yeah, there's value in the Ring of Honor, but now I don't well, they see they've it. got they've got quite the library. Uh, of did he get the library? Yeah, he got it all. Okay, then, then where is it? I don't know. They're On the streaming service? Oh wait, not, that doesn't exist. They're not doing anything with it. That's the thing. 
Well, yeah, okay. Monetize what that is before you try to actually. And then they, I don't know they what have, the hell they're doing. With Ring of they Honor. have Ring of Honor matches on AEW, which they shouldn't do because that's confusing. Yes. And it, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, what the hell happened to you know Cesaro? <laughs> you know what happened? Yeah, to no, I miss that? him. Everybody was just, everybody's just like, oh, you know, WWE is booking him wrong. Turns out they probably were booking him better because uh, he was, he's definitely not had the impact ever at AEW that one would think he could have. Uh, yeah, I I don't understand why. Maybe he's just not as good as I think he is. If no one can figure out how to use him. Yeah. But I think he's great. But I mean, he's, here we are. he's by by far the one of the strongest, if not the strongest, talent out there, uh, as far as physically is concerned. But yeah. for In whatever of, reason, nobody if nobody knows how to use you, then you can't be used correctly. Uh, then, then maybe it's not their their fault. I, I don't know. I don't get it. But I still say he would have made a hell of a heel champion. And he speaks what six languages, something like that, and have him just refuse to speak English in the United States. Uh, you know, make him come out and cut a promo in a different language every week. Slap a manager with him, good to go. Yeah. Well, and we'll see, and hopefully something comes of that. But I seriously doubt it. And and AEW, which by the way, I I, th I don't think I mentioned that I went to AEW when they were in Savannah last month, and. Uh, for a card that featured Edge, uh, Sting, Darby Allen, all those guys, the attendance was just piss poor. Um, I think we were looking at the number that I saw was twenty two hundred, uh, mm -hmm. just just over twenty two hundred. This is a stadium that seats you know nine thousand. Um, it was set up for what forty five hundred. I think the setup that they had was like thirty five. Uh, they, could, they could have built that out, but they didn't because um, there, there just wasn't enough interest. But and and you live here in the area. There was no local promotion whatsoever. Oh, uh, yeah. If you didn't know, you, you wouldn't have known. And uh, Charleston, they just ran Charleston the week before. Uh, so probably not a good idea to run Savannah the next week. Um because you would have had people travel from one to the other. Uh, theoretically, even though we couldn't get <laughs> local people to show up for this one, evidently. Right. But uh, Yeah, people weren't, weren't going to cross the street to see AEW. They weren't going to Charleston. But, I mean, all in all, I thought that the that the matches were pretty decent. You know, I saw Minoru Suzuki take on Adam Copeland. That's uh, something I probably would have never thought I would have seen in Savannah. And if you would have told me three years ago that you're going to see Minoru Suzuki wrestle in Savannah, I would have said, who the hell is Minoru Suzuki? Um, but, uh, you know, he's obviously, yep. obviously a legit fighter in Japan, uh, known much more for his grappling than he is a striker. But for whatever reason, anybody from Japan is known for strong style. And so there was a lot of hits in there and, uh, Edge uh, apparently said that that's the hardest he's ever been hit, um, which is you know so great for him and his current health. Um, but anyways, all in all, the the card was decent, but 
just poor execution, poor creative. And here's a question, JD. Do you think AEW hmm. should hire Vince Russo? No. <laughs> I mean, but is there more? Was there more to that? Or yeah, I mean, is that yeah. his his stories might suck, but at least they're stories. Well, listen, you know why? To let me, if I may, uh, answer your question with a question: Why, when the Titanic hit the iceberg and it was starting to sink, why don't they just blow up the boiler room? Fuck it. At this point, why not? Maybe it'll sink faster. Well, well, see, you, you see, you see hell? it as blow. You see it as blowing up the boiler room. I see it as getting the band together and playing as the ship goes down. Yeah, because uh, Vince Russo's last last efforts were so watchable. Um, We've had quite a time watching them. No, 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 they should not. No. Why was it, has someone has someone not under threat or or intoxication seriously suggested this? You know what? The way that I see it, it can't get any worse. Oh, it uh, can't. No, no, no. We've seen WCW in 2000. It can, in fact, get worse. Uh, I would welcome WCW in 2000 right now. All right, I'll give you uh, TNA in like 09. Give me, uh, um, I mean, give me, you know, Julie Hart on a pole match. Uh, give me. Well, now, uh, who we'd all love to see Julia Hart on the pole. That is not the question here. The what I'm saying is, let's just do some King of the Mountain matches and give Jeff Jarrett the title every day. And good lord. Well, you might as well. No. I, I will say uh, that Samoa Joe is is doing a great job as champion. I think that he is yeah. very believable, and I think that is a, that is a good move by Tony Khan at this point because uh, he doesn't have really most... anybody else that. He's the most legit star that Tony's got. Yeah. He doesn't really have anybody else to put it on, honestly. With MJF out, that's true. So, I mean, you talk about who winners lose. MJF is the real winner here because Tony will pay him Lichtenstein to come back when, when, when he's you know through with this injury angle. Good yeah. Lord. And by the way, I've been to two AEW events in Savannah. MJF has not been at one. What the hell? Yeah. Maybe that that that's what hurt your ticket sales. I don't, I don't know. Well, I don't think that they knew that he was not going to be there until like a week or two before. Yeah. So, even so, I uh, I was under the impression that he was going to be there whenever I bought a ticket. I knew that. Um, well, I knew he wasn't going to be here this trip, and I, you know, I thought about going to you know see Stinger the Stinger one last time, but um, nah. Yeah, you know, I uh, I waited to see. I had never seen Sting before in my life. I saw uh, his first match in TNA. And I, I've waited. I am now 36 years old, mm. and I waited 36 years to see Sting come out and literally say one effing word. See, I'm glad I didn't. Uh, what was that word? I didn't watch that shit. What happened? Darby uh, Allen gives a promo, talks about how... For Sting's last match, they want to, or uh, since they are undefeated as a tag team, that they should challenge for the tag team belts. And uh, and and Darby, you know, pretty good promo. I'll be honest with you, he's he's not bad on the mic. And Sting, not known to be a maestro on the mic, uh, sure. so I get why his was short. But it was like, 
What do you think about that, Sting? He hands the mic over to him, and Sting just says, Yep. Hands it back. And I'm like, Well, all right then. So I've waited 36 years to hear Sting say, Yep. All right. All right. Well, time well spent, my man. Time well spent. Like yeah, no, I'm glad I didn't go to that. I had another thing uh, called not doing that to to do. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that's what happened. I mean, you say Sting's not known for his verbal skills, which is true. But who the frick on this roster is outside of, you know, MJF and maybe Joe a little bit? Swerve. Uh, that's Swerve's house. Yeah, he, he's not bad. He's coming along. He's coming along. Oh, there's this uh, guy in NXT. Uh, mm, I watched uh, this past week. That's where that's do the AEW. But go his, ahead. His name is Oba Femi. I don't know if, you, you. if you've seen him, but he is a black guy. I want to say he's from the UK. But man, he's a okay. physical specimen, and he is right. fire on the mic. He's their uh, North American champion. Really? And this this dude's got this out. dude's got star written all over him. One very good. Um, Glad to see a new crop coming up. Which, by the way, they are coming to Savannah. So, uh, if he's a part when of is that, that? Uh, May 29th and like 30th, something like that. Anyway, and 30th. Wow. Well, yeah, because it's, in, it's NXT and then Raw. And then Raw. Yeah. Now, if you buy a Raw ticket, do they give you an NXT one for free? No. How does that work? No, you got to okay. buy both. Well. But uh, yeah, anyway, I'm washing my hair that night. You ain't got no hair, Lieutenant Dan. I do. You ain't got. It's no mostly hair. on my face, but I do have it. Yeah. Well, anyways, we're gonna move on. All right, here to, we are to week five in wrestling history. Yes, in 1996. JD, won't you get us uh, kicked off here with what happened on Nitro? On all right. Let's get the uh, let me get my notes out here. Here we go. Hang on a second. I got this uh, coming up here. Here it is. All right, we've got Nitro live in exciting color, if you will, from Lakeland, Florida, on uh, February fifth, nineteen hundred ninety six. Of course, Mongo Bischoff and Heenan on the commentary. Our first match is Chris Benoit versus your world heavyweight champion and mine, the macho man himself, Randy Savage. Um, so, yeah, this is a, you know, woman and Liz both come out to the ring with, with Savage, which will come up later. So do do try your best to recall it. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, Liz is fresh off her re-debut at, at, um, uh, at, Slam Marie, what was the previous pay per view? What anyway? She just he she's just come back and they're trying to run it back with the mega powers angle. And actually, I think they dropped the the word mega powers a couple of times here uh, on the Nitro's leading up to this one and on this one. Uh, so they're they're trying to you know play into the nostalgia of what seven years prior. Um, at this point, <clears throat> you know it, it's it's diminishing returns. As I have stated before, I believe uh, Miss Elizabeth, God rest her soul, to be the most overrated piece of talent in wrestling history. Uh, but here she is for what that's worth. Okay. And the fans remember her. The fans like her. So th that's worth something. Um, you know, to, you know, you're unstated as yet. Point, but I know we've had this discussion off the air. It's hard to watch woman now. Um, 
you know, and how her life was to end uh, so tragically, particularly since this match also involves the perpetrator, Chris Benoit. So it, it does give you a little bit of pause. But let me tell you something. Woman, in the, if we can set all that aside, uh, woman in this match is, as they say, all the way live. And she is active at ringside. Uh, we'll see that again in the weeks to come. Uh, tremendous. I, I kind of forgotten how good woman was at ringside as a valet slash, I guess you can say a manager. Um, you know, she's right now with Savage, but uh, stay tuned on that one. Uh, Savage still has his left elbow taped up. Um, you know, he's still selling that that injury. I think that goes away by Super Brawl. I, I don't remember quite off the top of my head, but we'll get there. Um, Benoit keeps so softening Savage up for flair, basically, because if you recall, uh, the the match at Super Brawl is going to be Flair and um, Macho in a rematch. Flair has uh, just dropped the belt to Macho here in the past month, and now we'll be going back uh, for a rematch in a couple weeks at Super Brawl, or the next week, excuse me, at Super Brawl uh, in a cage. So, you know, Benoit really, in this match, the psychology is he's really not showing any intent to beat Macho Man so much as beat Macho Man down. And soft him up for Flair, which I, I enjoy. I mean, that's the whole point of a stable, right? That's why you have a faction. You have you have people to soften your opponents up. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, this is a more of a brawling match than we usually would see from from Benoit. Um, let's see. The the finish comes as uh, Macho Man drops an elbow on Benoit, but on his back, which is kind of odd. Flair comes down and harasses Liz. Uh, Savage chases uh, Flair around the ring, but then Woman turns on Savage, uh, attacking him from behind and allowing Flair to get the upper hand. Uh, Arn runs down at this point, and they both just wail on Savage, excuse me, until Hogan comes down to make the save, uh, which ends in a disqualification finish. So Gene comes into the ring uh, for a post-match interview with Hogan as Savage being helped to the back. Um <clears throat> Hogan, you know, has his back to the ramp, which is kind of obvious when you're watching it. And it looks weird. So you kind of, it's, it's sort of a tip that something's about to happen. And in fact, it does. Uh, Flair sneaks up as Hogan is like oddly berating Liz for not watching Macho's back. It, it, I don't know. It comes off weird. And then Flair sneaks up on Hogan and attacks him. And then we got a beat down on Hogan. You, if you'll recall from the last episode, Hogan is still sporting a bandage on his eye from uh, having taken a heel to the, a women's high-heeled shoe to the to the eye. Um, so, yeah, it, it's basically uh, uh, the reverse situation. Instead of Savage, now it's Hogan getting uh, double-teamed double because um, the Dun Dungeon of Doom runs out to help Flair, if you recall, that sort of tenuous alliance. Then Savage makes the save, and we, and we go to break there. Um, <clears throat> the next matchup is, you know, sticking with the Horseman theme, uh, Pillman and Arn Anderson. Uh, versus Kevin Sullivan and Hugh Morris. Again, I said the alliance in, in, with the Dungeon of Doom and, and the Four Horsemen is sort of tentative. Yeah, it's tentative because here they are going to have a match with each other. Um, oh, I should get back and, and uh, grade the first match. I apologize. Uh, you know, it was it was fine. It, I'm just going to give it a thumbs in the middle because there wasn't so much about the match as it is sort of furthering the storyline. Uh, so there's not a whole lot to say there in terms of the match quality itself. Ryan, do you have anything to throw in on this match for us to jabber on like a monkey in a tree? Oh, you did it all. You said it all, sir. No, all right, I, sir. Honest, honestly, 
Uh, <clears throat> and, and ring, not good. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's not the point. So it's to further, the, yeah, to your yeah, that, that this furthering the angle. Um, okay, so we've got uh, as I said, Hugh Morris and Kevin Sullivan represent the Dungeon of Doom versus the Horsemen in the next match. Um, Jimmy Hart, of course, uh, seconding the dungeon. Hugh Morris with an impressive uh, press slam of Pillman uh, tries to win his heart and can't quite get him up. <laughs> He's a little bit, uh, a little bit of stouter boy than uh, than his Pillman. <laughs> and Arn fed for him. He just, you know, and, and uh, you know, Morris got him up but couldn't press him. So <laughs> yeah, it was just funny to see. Pillman is all over the place with this loose cannon. Um, he's selling that. Even on the entrance, Arn is kind of clicking his tongue and staring at him. What are you doing, you crazy dodo head? Uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to use such harsh language, but I think this situation warrants it. Um, we've got Pillman playing up the the loose cannon persona to the hilt here, uh, which, you know, particularly in, in hindsight, and soon we're going to see at Super Brawl, I can't get enough of this. The 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 loose cannon Brian Pillman is just an absolute delight. I actually wrote in here, uh, Pillman is great. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, the, but Sullivan is coming right back to him. If you want to brawl, buddy, Kevin Sullivan's your huckleberry. He, he will come right back at you, which he certainly does with Pillman here. It's set up a match again, as I said, at, at uh, Super Brawl. Uh, Sullivan gets Arn to the stage area, and then someone like through the curtain hits Arn over the head with a broomstick, and it, it looks like just an arm in like a button-up Oxford shirt. I don't, you know, it doesn't. You can't tell who it is. There's no obvious sign of who it is. Uh, the announcers don't know, and that has not yet been followed up on. Uh, so we'll see when we get there. But that gets Arn out of the equation. Um, but then you know we get kind of a, a brawl here. And uh, the interfere the the DQ comes for interference, I guess, because of the the broom. It was weird. Anyway, Pillman and R win for by by a DQ. Um, I'm gonna rate this match thumbs up for ma mainly Brian Pillman just being crazy and doing his loose cannon gimmick. I really really love it. Um, so yeah, that that's that one. Ryan, do you have anything to say about the Pillman and uh, and Sullivan situation coming up? Uh, hey man, uh, good to see Pillman out there. Um, incapable of having too bad of a match. Um, mm -hmm. thought it was enjoyable. Uh, all things considered, uh, you know, uh, sidebar on this. I actually asked, um, Kevin Sullivan, um, if he had to rebook the dungeon of doom and not booking it is not an option. What would he do? Uh, he said he would do it all the same. He said, because would you rather would you rather me put all of Hogan's uh, friends in one match in one segment, or would you rather it be <laughs> spread out throughout the card? So fair point. That's the reason that that he had the Dungeon of Doom. So, uh, and I think that there probably is a way to make it work, but not doing that. Um, well, just they're silly gimmicks. If you had come, you know, with a bunch of guys. As themselves, as John Tenta, as um, what's Brutus's actual name? It doesn't matter. Uh, Ed uh, you know, as Ed Leslie, thank you. As uh, Hugh Rection, Hugh G. Rection, as we recall, that is uh, Hugh Morris's actual family name. We'll, we'll find that out later in WCW's uh, General. 
Postman. Yeah, well, he gets a promotion later on. At this point, he's still an enlisted man. But yeah, so if you so have he's him, a private private erection. He's private erection at this point. Private huge erection. So he's keeping it to himself uh, at this juncture. You know, <clears throat> yeah, if you'd had them come on with chips on their shoulder because Hogan pushed him down and Hogan, you know, used his political power to steamroll them in the back and, and force them into less than advantageous situations in their previous company. So he was able to capitalize and beat him. Maybe he got something there, but this is just cartoony stuff when cartoony stuff is on its way out. Um, and, and it's not, I don't know, it, it's at least five or six years past its expiration date before it ever started. So anyway, that's me. I think if you make it more Florida championship or Florida based when, you know, Sullivan was there, I think you got mm -hmm. something, but not the cartoony stuff. Yeah. No, I would concur. Um, <clears throat> so moving on, uh, we've got the Dick dancer himself, still Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Versus the guy who gave him that name, uh, the Dick Dancer, not not Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Uh, Rick Flair with woman. Interesting to note, uh, Flair has his job pants on here. He's got his red tights and, and his red boots, just the way he likes them, with the knee pads pulled down over his calves to hide them. Uh, Flair now, of course, accompanied by woman to the ring now that she's switched sides. Um, <clears throat> the crowd is surprisingly hot for Bagwell. I mean, this there's you can do something here. So, yeah, I was favorably impressed with uh, how good um, Buff, well, the future Buff, hey, hey, Buff looks is, here. Buff is over in Lakeland, man. Oh, hey, listen. He put Lakeland, Florida on the map. Actually, I think Rand McNally did that. But Buff, Buff was right behind him. So, well, um, you know, Flair, like I said, he has on his job and pants. Uh, but the classic Flair shtick is still over in Lakeland, Florida. The the flare flops and, and the bumps and all, all that sort of thing. Flair is playing it to the hilt. Uh, woman is over the top at ringside in the best of ways. Um, love it. Flair actually gets a win via the figure four. When does that happen? I guess when he's uh, wrestling Marcus Alexander Bagwell. But, uh, you know, I think Flair made Marcus look great here, uh, frankly. And, and uh, Bagwell, to his credit, held up his end. Um, and this is, to me, this is a thumbs-up match. I was not expecting to like this match as much as I did. And also, um, keep an eye on the, the replay when Flair applies the figure four. If you ever want to know how to put on a figure four, they actually get a camera angle that shows it really, really well here. I know that doesn't make any difference, but it's always interesting to me because sometimes it just looks like, oh, Flair turns around and he has it on. Uh, here you can actually see him positioning the legs and all that. And actually, you know, a kind of a how-to of, of putting on the figure four. So if you want to try it at home, now's your chance. Um, being the consummate heel, Ric Flair holds on to the uh, figure four and, you know, well after the bell until Savage comes to break it up. Um, and and so, you know, basically driving home the wedge between uh, Savage and Flair that's going to come to a head at Super Bowl. Ryan, what you got on that one? Yeah, man. Uh, big fan of buff. Of course, he's Marcus Alexander Bagwell on this one. Uh, not quite buff yet, which to be honest with you, I think, uh, looking back that, uh, that Scotty Riggs probably should have been the one to go to NWO, but anyways, I digress on that. 
Um, we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think, uh, I think that would have been good, but no good match, man. And, and I think buff, uh, I think he's probably unfairly, um, characterized in, in a few instances just because of, um, backstage issues and, and like yeah. that, but he's a good hand. I mean, he, you know, I wouldn't say he didn't have too many bad ones. I don't think, but, um, yeah, well, I we, thought this was good, and of course, leader. and of course, Flair is going to put you over. So, oh yeah, even yeah, if you, well, even it's not who win. goes over, who it's who gets over, right? Yeah. So, and, and I, certainly, I would say Marcus Alexander Bagwell got over here, even if he didn't go over. Um, no, to your point, we've talked about this with uh, Buff's future tag team partner, the Total Package Lex Luger. He's not a great worker on his own, but he can be led. And I think the same holds true of Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Um, I would say that Bagwell's a, lot, serviceable. Bagwell's a lot more athletic than Lex is. He's a lot more. Yeah, no, yeah, that's probably true. I mean, yeah, ex- I mean executing a blockbuster is not something that Lex could do. No, and that is still, that's an impressive move. I don't care it who is. you are. That, that's pretty cool. It is. It is. Yeah, so uh, no, the, the blockbuster is cool. Buff. Uh, you know, has whatever had whatever his issues were. Is he back on? Are we good with him? Is he is he back on the wagon again? Yeah, I mean, he was never off. He uh he got uh, that's part of the problem with um I guess the the um GCIC and and the courts. It's like any time that you violate your your. He's in accountability court, drug court here in Georgia. Right. Anytime that you violate it, and the violation could be, you know, much as um, you get a speeding you know, ticket, you, you get a speeding ticket, or or you didn't report that you were leaving the state for a, a gig, which is what he did. Uh, turns okay, out that he mi- turns out he missed a connector and mm-hmm. had to st- had to stay an extra night over in wherever he was connecting from. Uh, did not tell his uh, probation officer, and that's a violation. So they have to, you know, gotcha. they have to bring you in for twenty four, forty eight, or seventy two hours, however long it is. But whenever you book, you're not booked for that. It shows up as the DUI, and um, right, uh, yeah, because it's a violation of the probation from that DUI. Yes, and so it's yeah. uh, it, it's weird, but uh, yeah, no, he was never off of it, and 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 DDP. Good. DDP backed it up, so I, I believe it. Um, so, well, no, that's good to hear. No, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that because uh, you know we want the best for Buff. As um, we've discussed, we had the opportunity to uh, meet Buff here, uh, what three, four years ago now, mm-hmm. um, and could not have been more gracious uh, with his time with us. Uh, so, yeah, look, we want the best for the guy. We want him to you know kick out of any uh issues and it sounds like he's in the process of it so that's great i'm, I'm really glad oh, have you that. seen uh have you seen butterbean i heard about it and i saw a little video on it yeah ddp is working his magic on butter i didn't realize he was that bad off yeah man this is like down below 300 this is like 280 now yeah yeah he's looking good these days yeah no but i didn't realize he had been wheelchair bound that, that was a new one on me mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. DDP, you know, we talk about Jimmy Carter as being one of the best ex-presidents of all time. And I think we've said it on this program. Uh, DDP, one of the best, uh, along with Mark Marrow, ex-wrestlers of all time. So, yeah, um, fantastic. 
good for good for uh, Butterbean. Eric Esh, I believe, is his real name, uh, his government name. But yeah, we all know him belovedly as, as Butterbean. Uh, glad to hear he's on the road to health again. That's fantastic. I didn't realize that his nickname came from him eating pork chop and butter beans to get down on weight. Really? I thought it was just because he's a big, round, white guy like a butter bean. <laughs> That's what I thought, but no. That's why I, I never really put much more thought into it than that. Right. <laughs> I say, like, hey, this guy's butter bean. Yeah, that apparently, checks out. Apparently he had to cut weight to make super heavyweight, and uh, <laughs> he did so on uh, pork chop and butter beans. So. Oh, well, yeah, I mean. Obviously, that's the preferred weight loss food of, uh, I think Jenny Craig did that, didn't she? Yeah, sure. All right. So now we're moving on uh, a couple more matches here on this Nitro. The Road Warriors, although the announcers refer to them interchangeably as Road Warriors and Legion of Doom, and in fact, there is an LOD chant in the crowd, which to be fair, LOD is a lot easier to chant than Road Warriors. Um, so it's funny that they're using, I guess that's, is that WWE copyright or could they not copyright it because of the super friends? I'm just curious because uh, I mean, to, for wrestling purposes, was, it would have to be WWE, right? I would think so. I, I would have thought so, but I mean, they're pretty free with it here and it hasn't been bleeped or anything on, on the replay that we have courtesy of Peacock. So yeah, I, I don't know. Um, any rate. Uh, so as I said, you know, the, the, Road Warriors come out, uh, but the announcers keep calling them LOD and the Road Warriors. It's, it's weird. The crowd chants for LOD. Um, Luger low bridges animal. This is all part of the storyline where Luger is trending more and more into heel tactics, either unbeknownst to Sting or without his approval. And it's basically, you know, the standard 1990s Sting's an idiot uh, or Sting's naive storyline that WCW ran with, uh, you know, so many times. Um, so we're working towards that eventually. Excuse me. There should be a big blow off between him and Luger. Um, so, you know, we're, we're building that, uh, the, oh, excuse me, the building itself lost power during the match. Um, and then the, you know, you see it as the feed kind of gets restored, um, and, and the, the tape kind of skips a little bit and then Bischoff apologizes that the, the building lost power. This was before the, what was the beware of dog pay-per-view where, you know, the WWF accused WCW of cutting their buildings power. So, you know, if they did, then they've only done what has already happened to them because somebody cut WCW's power here. Um, Luger tries to get Animal up for the power slam. Can't quite get it. It kind of comes off sideways uh, and, you know, whatever. Animal's a, a big fella. Um, so I, I wonder to myself, there's one thing to let, you know, Sting and Luger get their heat on Animal and then Hawk comes in for the for the hot save. But is, is Hawk okay? We're not seeing him do anything in this match uh, for the first half of it, it feels like. Um, so Animal, you know, it seems like he's pretty much worked the whole match. Um Animal's getting the, the the better of Lex Luger when Jimmy Hart runs out with an international object and uh, then Animal scares him off and uh, and Jimmy drops it. Luger then picks up said object and hits Animal uh, in the in the gut for a win and pins him one two three. So we've got a um, you know a pinfall, but by some sort of nefarious means. Uh, Sting, of course, doesn't see it as we come out. Uh, Gene, again, with a post-match interview with Luger and Sting on the ramp, 
Sting didn't see any interact any, any international object. He uh, doesn't know how um, you know Luger got got the pin on Animal. So they they walk off before Gene can really tell him what what's going on here. So it's just another seed planted along the way here. Eventually, we're going to have to get to a Sting and Luger feud of the scene. Um, so at Super Bowl, we've got Sting and Luger. Uh, versus Harlem Heat, but then Road Warriors slash LOD get the winner of that. Of course, we got Flair and Savage, as mentioned before. Hogan and Giant, which they didn't really talk about too much in this one, uh, in this episode necessarily. Pillman and Sullivan, as we point out, that that's on the Super Bowl card. It's a it's a I respect you strap match, and we'll get into that a little bit more uh, next week as we get into that show. Um, so yeah, that, that's what we've got facing us for Super Bowl that's been you know announced or promoted at this point. Uh, we'll get to Super Bowl in just a little bit, and um, or excuse me, next week. And there's a few more matches added that didn't have a nitro build, I think they had a build on, on Saturday night. So that was pretty much it. Um, as for the Sting and Luger match, I, you know, I'll give it you know a, a thumbs up. I mean, it was it was cool. Um, you know, there was a lot, of, a lot of good action. The crowd was into it. They're definitely into LOD. Um, oh, I forgot to mention, Orndorff also came out for like two seconds on commentary and just talked briefly about, you know, having been hurt. And that, that was it. Like, it, nothing, it didn't build anything. It was weird. Anyway, any thoughts, Ryan, on the uh, Road Warrior, Sting, and Luger match? Or Nitro in general? No, uh, I'll, I'll say this. Nitro is just killing Raw in, in terms of yeah, um, content. Yes. Uh, you know, whereas, you know, that Nitro, for example, this week is three matches. Um, Raw, you mean? Uh, yeah, Raw, excuse me. Uh, mm-hmm. Good matches. I liked them. Uh, I, nothing, nothing wrong or, or bad about either of the matches, but it's just not... Uh, I guess from the length of the program, it's just going to be kind of quick. Um, for example, uh, we we yes. start out uh, we start out this uh, two five ninety six in Stockton, California. Um, I don't know if this was live or live to tape or what. I, I'm well, we'll get to that, important. but yeah. Well, it starts like it seems like it's in the middle of a house show is when it starts, but. Vince and Lawler are actually at a desk at ringside, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of tough to tell on this, but we have a uh, the two dudes with attitudes uh, getting the win over Davy Boy and Yoko uh, via countout. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everybody, <laughs> as uh, Kevin Nash likes to say, I got my shit in, and uh, mm-hmm. Sean got his shit in, and. David Boy got his shit in, and it was just a count out on that one. Uh, I think uh, all, all said, and, said and done, it was fine. Jim, good to see Jim Cornette shouting. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a big break in the action there. Uh, now, I, I think that? that probably where Raw is doing better than Nitro is in the segments, um, in the video packages and stuff like that. And I and I think that WWE has has just been superior to this point, and probably has been superior ever since the NWO stopped being relevant. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, I mean WWE has just just killed them. Um, 
as far as this concerned. So we have uh, a segment of Jim Cornette and Clarence Mason, the actual real life attorney, uh, threatening yeah. to sue the WWF if Vader is not reinstated uh, again. I think that this is the same one that we saw in the previous week, but, um, or it certainly seemed like it. Anyways, uh, Grill Monsoon obviously has been hurt by Vader, uh, hence the reason why he's not there. And he has chosen mm -hmm. Roddy Piper as his temporary replacement. And um, he's uh, thinking about reinstating Vader on that one. Uh, it, it, because we know how this ends, what do you think about a Vader-Piper match? Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, it'd, um, it'd be like Fat Vader taking on Skinny Vader. <laughs> you know. Okay. I mean, stiff yeah. as hell in the in the ring. You know. Yeah. Crazy. Oh no, yeah. Uh, yeah, unhinged sort of the uh, personality. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought about it, but that would that could be interesting. Yeah, because I mean, because what what will eventually happen? Spoiler alert: is Roddy Piper's going to kind of get shoehorned into the gold dust angle after um, uh, Razor leaves, which we, by the way, we'll get more into that here at Super Brawl. But yeah, no, I mean, interesting. I wonder if that might have been the original plan had Scott Hall not left. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we get uh, one, two, three kid getting the win over Hakushi. Uh, Bless you. It's nice to see the kid not putting somebody over this time. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, he is uh, soon to have a uh, match with Razor Ramon, uh, the crybaby match, and they're really pushing that. Um and I'll, I'll tell you, well, probably be match coming up in a few weeks, and we'll we'll talk about that then. And mm -hmm. the uh, yeah, two weeks. Yeah, you know, really, here in about an hour. But uh, <laughs> well. uh, and of course, to close it out, we got uh, Bret Hart and the Undertaker. Uh, of course, ending in a no contest uh, for the WWF title, and uh, that's because of interference from Diesel. Uh, Diesel, of course, is. Going to have his uh, final match with Taker at WrestleMania. Um, this is the build, if you will, towards that. Uh, they've got a few other things that they got to do to build that, but I do appreciate the long term. I say long term. Uh, it's been, the, they're going to be taking a couple months to tell that story. So uh, mm -hmm. it's better than pretty much anything that WCW has going on uh, at that point in time. Um, of course, we get a, a second segment of Billionaire Ted at the press conference with the Huckster and the Nacho Men. Oh, yeah. And uh, the closing segment, uh, which is uh, they showed a print ad, which uh, was set to run in several major newspapers, claiming Ted Turner was wasting millions of stockholder dollars in his personal vendetta against the WWF. Uh, well, let's talk about that for a minute. They, they, they actually, like, Again, yet again, Billionaire Ted is in the main event slot, so much so that the Brett and uh, Undertaker match ends during commercial. They just tell you at, at the end of it that, oh, by the way, yeah, we uh, there's double DQ, doesn't matter, nobody cares. But hey, how about that Billionaire Ted? Yeah. What? Yeah. Make it make sense, Ryan. I, I, this, okay, so WWF up until, I don't know, a few weeks ago, was uh, for a audience of one, mm -hmm. and that one being, yeah. of course, Vince McMahon. Uh, 
I don't think anybody in the company thought that this billionaire Ted sketch was a good uh, investment at all. But uh, not a good use of expensive television time. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, you're doing that when you could have uh, had some matches and you know what people want to see. Got somebody over maybe. Uh, but yeah, I think it was a waste of money, a waste of talent, and uh, it couldn't have been cheap. Uh, to hire actors and do all this, that, and the other. So, well, I don't know. <laughs> Judging by their outfits, it, it probably was very cheap. It might have been pretty cheap. Uh, but, no, but here's the thing. They don't use this time to sell in your house because they're going to be preempted next week with the dog show. They do mention that. But this is ostensibly the go-home raw for in your house. That's the next thing they're going to have. They don't spend that much time hyping this up. But they got time to devote to not only billionaire Ted sketch, but showing the hit piece ad that Vince wants to run the Wall Street Journal, but they turned down. Uh, that hit piece ad, by the way, asks, you know, oh, stockholders, has Ted Turner wasted $40 million of your money? Okay, Vince. If we want to talk about not telling stockholders about millions of dollars being spent, uh, let's talk about some uh, NDAs, shall we? Uh, how badly does this shit age? I mean, honestly, I don't want to. And we came from a long line of hearing document on documentaries about oh, uh, poor pitiful Vince and poor pitiful WWF. Uh, Eric Bischoff had Ted Turner's money and he was using it to buy up all the stars. Oh my God! Oh my this! Oh my that! No mention from the WWF of you know them creating Survivor Series to counter program Starcade and you if you don't run this, you're not going to run WrestleMania and taking out hit piece ads in the paper, uh, you know, in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or whatever that, that he tried to run, don't give me any of this victim bullshit. When you're running this, Vince, you're spending your TV time on this nonsense. I, it makes them look weak and terrible. And when they were winning, they're all high and mighty. About, oh, oh, Coke doesn't talk about Pepsi, pal. Number one never talks about number two. Ha, ha, ha. What were you doing? You're number two. You were absolutely throwing everything against the wall against number one. WC. Watching this, it really, it, as you might can tell, it pissed me off because what the French fine spaghetti monster is happening here. This is so stupid. It makes you look weak and petty. And, and I, this is dumb. All right, just to throw that out there. So how'd you feel about it? Oh, it's okay. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> it's fine. No, no strong feeling one way or the other, really. Yeah, well, that's uh, on this weekend, February, whatever the hell. The 5th. The 5th, 96. Uh, well, as the next week would turn out, I got the week off. So, uh, yeah, no, right. no, two, no 212 uh, Monday Night Raw is being preempted by, uh, I believe, the dog show. Um, yeah, Westminster Dog Show. Yeah, the Westminster Dog Show. Um, yeah. So, what uh, what happened in uh, 212? We're going to do this as a separate separate episode, technically? Nah, we'll just keep it going, do them all. All right, all. we're just going to keep it going. Okay, we'll just keep going. All right, Super Brawl 6. From St. Petersburg, Florida. This is going to be on the 11th of February um, in the year of our Lord, 1996. Uh, we've got Shivani on the call along with Bobby Heenan and the American Dream himself, Dusty Rhodes. Uh, we're going to kick it off 
with the public enemy versus the nasty boys in a, uh, a they call it a street fight it's what amounts to a falls count anywhere match um the, the weird thing about WCW, well, not the weird thing, one of the many weird things about WCW at this time is they had their stairs in the middle of the ring, like along the side of the ring apron, like not in the corner as was usual. And that's going to come into play here or could have come into play a couple of times um, in this pay-per-view. It, it's just, it's odd. The first one here is when Sa- Sag ugh, busts through the, the second and third rope and kind of bust his butt on the corner of those steps because he's trying to just fall straight out onto the ring, you know, the the mat outside the ring, but he clips the stairs on the way down. I, thankfully, he didn't get hurt. That, that is, it looked bad. Um, so, anyway. Uh, yeah, he I, – I don't – when did this happen? Because they used to have corner ring steps like the rest of the world, and then they had that – Stupid elevated ramp thing all the way down. When when did this come into play, Ryan? I do not remember. I would like a date, please. Oh, okay. All right. Well, anyway, uh, a lot not, of you're not, on the you're outside. Not my type. Well, you know, that's, that's hurtful. We're coming up on Valentine's Day here in 1996. Got to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, lots of brawling on the outside, as you would probably expect from from a Falls County anywhere match. This is very ECW inspired. I don't know where. You know, the, the revisionist history is that nobody was doing ECW stuff outside of ECW. A lot of people were, and this is part of it. Now, of course, ECW is already starting to have its effect here uh, in 96. But anyway, Rocco Rock uh, gets set up through his own table, gets sets up his own table and then gets thrown through it by uh, by knobs, which is a lot of fun. Sags then pile drives grunge on the trash can. It looked pretty gnarly to me because uh grunge's head kind of goes off to the side a little bit i mean he got up fine it seemed fine but man that scared me when i when i, when I was watching it um anyway but he's he's piled around him on a trash can uh oddly for a street fight or a, a falls kind of anywhere match sags goes for the pin here but grunge puts his foot on the rope and gets a rope break wait a minute whoa, whoa. are we doing street fight are we not doing why is there a rope break in in, in this match but anyway um, another arm is kind of conspicuous behind the curtain as they brawl out towards the uh, the stage area. Nothing happens with it. It's just an arm kind of hanging out from the curtain here. I don't know if that's supposed to be a callback to what happened with arm, or if it's just some production assistant not paying attention. Because uh, nobody really comments on it, but I did notice it. Anyway, um, so yeah, there's a quote-unquote merchandise stand that they're brawling through, which is inside the barricade, so clearly it's just like a table with three shirts set up. So it's essentially it's an AEW merchandise stand. Um, and so Rock, Flyboy Rocco Rock gets to the top of it and jumps off to hit um, Brian Nobbs on the ta- that he's laid out on the table, but Nobbs rolls away. Uh, Rocco Rock crashes through the table himself, and then you know Nobbs pins him for the, for the win. So a lot of energy in this match. Uh, the crowd was way into it. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up. Um, it, it's a little more hardcore for my style. And I'm wondering if this should not have been the first match on the card because I feel like there's a hangover effect for like the next two matches for after the, all this excitement at, at the beginning. Uh, what say you, Ryan? Sounds good to me, J.D. What's next? All right. Well, before we get to that, Heenan uh, had a line that I particularly enjoyed after all this hardcore stuff. Uh, Bobby says, eat your heart out, Dan Gable. So, anyway. 
I thought it was fine. Uh, Dan Gable, of course, being a, a classic Cassius Catch can technical wrestler back in the day. So we got Gene backstage. Uh, he's got he's thrown out on the hotline that there's a rumor that two former WWF champions could be making their way to WCW. Wonder who that could be, Ryan. I don't know what's happening with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has an interview That's, with the it US. might be a bit outside the periphery. You think so? Yeah, at this point, I guess we know that what Razor gave his notice at Rumble, but but Diesel has not given his. He gave it January twentieth. Okay, so the week before the Rumble. So yeah, and then Nash Nash was like the next Nash came. He may have given his notice by this point. Okay, so that well, because I know there was a lag. There's like a week or two between Hall debuting and Nash debuting in WCW. Um, so I'm guessing that their notices got put in, you know, about that same spread apart. So uh, I wonder who Gene could be talking about here, uh, these former WWF champions. Anyway, uh, moving on, he he has an interview with uh, the combined, I guess, now unified United States and Mexican champion Conan, who is facing uh, the one-man gang. Apparently, there's a title switch, must have been on Saturday night, because we didn't see it on, on Nitro. Uh, where Conan, I guess, beats One Man Gang for the U.S. title. Now there's a rematch. So that's where we're at. That's going to be coming up uh, soon. But before we get to that, we're going to have Johnny B. Bad with the Diamond Doll slash the Bad Girl, Kimberly, versus DDP in a TV title match where Johnny is the the TV champion. And then DDP is putting up uh, $6 million that uh, of Kimberly's money that he somehow has um it's a whole thing whatever uh <clears throat> anyway to start off with a good brawl outside the crowd's kind of meh at this point like i said uh, there's sort of a hangover effect seemingly from from that opening match um diamond doll is swings at ddp and misses her him. he she's outside the ring he's inside she swings at him he misses him. he backs up and stumbles over uh johnny b bad and almost gets pinned right there it's actually a pretty pretty cool little spot <clears throat> That was a close two count. Um, they, you know, they have a really cool diving sort of victory roll from Johnny B. Bad uh, as the finish of the match. Um, the crowd just wasn't super into it until the very end, uh, and it was just I don't know it, the air kind of been sucked out of the building from the from the previous match. So we do have Johnny B. Bad retaining the TV title by via pinfall, and I guess Kimberly gets her money back now. It, it was weird um yeah the, the finish actually came on a reversed uh tombstone ddp has bad up and then he spins around and then bad tombstones ddp and that that's what actually gets your three count um any any thoughts on this one ryan um no i mean other than the stipulation just being ridiculous i thought the end ring work way really over gimmicked yeah, yeah well, i mean it... you're, you're talking about the two most over gimmicked Guys on yeah. the roster in '96. I mean, well, everything. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. So, well, he, he, you can see he's not where he's going to be even the next year, even this summer, frankly. But he is getting close to being the DDP that we'll all fall in love with in the next year, year and a half. Um, but he, yeah, he's not quite there yet. But he's getting away from his good God have mercy, you know, diamond exchange persona. So uh, over the past five. five years. Yeah, you're going to self high five, baby. So yeah, it, it's it's coming along. It's going well. 
Um, but yeah, he's not quite there yet, but you can see sort of shades of what he's going to become a little bit later. And again, we're backstage, Gene with Harlem Heat, uh, and they're te teasing the dissension between Sting and Luger that has been teased and teased for like six weeks now, but here we go. Uh, Harlem Heat and Sting and Luger coming out uh, for the tag team championship, the first of two tag team title defenses, if you recall. Uh, the Legion of Road Warriors ha has the has winner on this one. So um, I feel like this match may should have been first just to give the guys more time to recover because they're going to be like two more matches and they're going to be right back out here with with uh, Road Warriors, which is a tall order. Uh, the announcers just keep harping on, keep harping on the Sting and Luger riff um, to the point where I kind of hate that Harlem Heat kind of gets sidelined here. Like they're not really important to the story. It's mostly just Sting and Luger. And it happens a little bit with LOD as well in, in, in the second match. Spoiler alert, uh, single Luger win. But it, it's just, I don't know. It, it, Harlem Heat, as we know, are capable of more. Pardon me. Animal uh, runs in, and then with Stevie Ray in the ring, um, he comes in and hits Stevie with the international object, the same one from Nitro the week past, allowing Luger to get the pin. Again, Sting, oblivious to all of this, doesn't see any of it happen. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're going to pretend that it's business as usual and move on uh, towards the next tag team title defense. Uh, the match itself, I'm going to thumbs in the middle. Again, I think they are still a little bit out of the building and everyone's sort of looking forward to the Road Warriors match um, out of this one. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I think they're just sort of feeding talent to Sting and Luger at this point. Uh, there, yeah, was no, there was no real plan. Um, yeah, it's just a match. It comes across as filler. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So Mean Gene uh, interviews uh, Luger um, and Sting here on the ramp again. Uh, Luger claims that he and Sting are the tag team of the 90s. Like, well, it's 1996. I mean, I don't know. What's the moratorium? What's the, what's the statute of limitations? When, you can be the, when can you be the tag team of the decade? Like, how late can you claim that? Can you be like 1998? Say, hey, we're the tag team of the 90s. Or, you know, is has, has that opportunity passed by like 94? Uh, I think people start claiming it late 89. Sure. Yeah, yeah you, you claim it ahead of time, which makes sense. But I, I mean, the decade's more than half over at this point. Why I don't, why are you the tag team of the 90s now? Anyway, who is the tag team of the 90s, right? You're supposed to say smoking guns because we're doing a, a gimmick yeah. here. I, I, I'll go with smoking guns, actually. Okay, there you go. The All future right. Hall of Fame. Uh, smoking guns. Yeah, just put everybody in. Why not? You ever laced up a pair of boots in the Hall of Fame? Good job. All right. Speaking of lacing up boots, oh, Kobe Wayne. Wayne. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> hmm. You let your beloved parrot burn up in a house fire and see if you don't deserve the Hall of Fame. First of all, that's the first thing. Uh, moving on, one shot the damn parrot. Well, it would have been a mercy, as it turns out. Uh, so one man gang versus Conan for the U.S. title. Um, I don't know why I didn't. I mean, not that I never noticed it, but uh, I mean, one man gang is big. Holy crap! Like he towers over, and Conan's not a small guy, but. Mm -hmm. George looks massive 
in this match. He's like super tall and broad. Holy crap. I got retroactively scared of him during this. Uh, so anyway, they spill out over the steps again. The second time this comes into play, someone's going to get hurt on these damn steps. And so you will see they eventually do move to the corner like a normal person. Um, <clears throat> the one-man gang gets a long set of heat. Uh, the crowd is kind of half-assed into it, but not really. Um, Conan does like a weird standing plancha, or excuse me, uh, uh, flying plancha from, from the top rope for the win. <laughs> like he forward flips into um, the gang, but the gang kind of catches him and turns him to the side so that when, he, when they land, it's a pin. It's a, an interesting uh, a finish, but that's what gets the win for Conan. And I thought it was an enjoyable match. It had good action throughout. The uh, crowd was a little bit, I mean, they got into it towards the end, but I think the heat, you know, the set of heat that one man gang got maybe dragged a little bit. Other than that, I thought it was a very good match. Ryan, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, old gang's a big old guy. They build him at six. A big nine, old which, fella. They build him at six, nine, four fifty, which. Oh, I don't know if that's, that's that inaccurate. He probably at least against six, six. Yeah. Uh, he's not too. Yeah. He, I, the, the six, is generally wrestling for four, six, six. So four fifty, I can, I can somewhat buy. Especially I can believe him. every ounce of that. That's a and, thick fella. But I mean, you you look at him compared to Earthquake. He is right there with them. Uh, yeah, he is that's a, a big dude. Big, big man. And oh, by the way, there is a uh, Dark Side of the Ring coming out about Earthquake this year. So, really, what's dark about Earthquake? I was trying to think the same thing. It, it doesn't. Say, I guess just his ending would is sad because uh, he had cancer yeah. and and died fairly young. Uh, yeah. I want to say he was late forties, something like that. I don't. I don't want to say that. I mean, it is a tragedy. Don't get me wrong, but for a dark side to feel like it's great. But all right, this whole Vince situation has been a godsend to the dark side of the ring. They can do a whole season just on Vince now. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be each accuser this season. (laughs) Not this season, but the next season of Dark Side of the Ring is going to be fire. Um. So yeah, it's uh interesting. All right. So next up, we actually have a. What winds up being kind of a big deal in in wrestling lore, we have the I Respect You strap match between Sullivan, well, supposed to be between Sullivan and Brian Pillman. Um, Pillman comes out for the first minute, minute and a half. They are wild. I mean, wild and out out of control, as I said in in the Nitro review. If you want to fight, then, you know, uh, Kevin Sullivan's going to go round and round with you. So that's what happens here for the first... I don't know, minute, minute and a half of the match. Uh, they haven't even gotten the strap, you know, connected to both guys yet. They're just wailing on each other with it and, and wailing on each other in general. All of a sudden, Pillman just walks up to the uh, announcer, or excuse me, the referee that has the microphone. Says, I respect you, Booker man. Drops the mic and walks out. And nobody knows what the hell is happening. Um, you know, is this a work shoot? I mean, Bischoff, I think, has claimed – and you may know better about this than I have. I, I do, being close friends with Easy as you are, um, that this was the plan, but they didn't tell anybody. Like Bischoff knew it, and Pillman knew it, and maybe that was it. Um, but yeah, he walks off like a minute and a half in the match. The, Bischoff says it's part of the plan. I personally think that Pillman set a trap for him and he walked right into it 
So yeah, I think Pillman got worked here because the, the end of the story is this is Pillman's last appearance in WCW. He goes to ECW for a little bit and then they use in the in WWF. So I think he worked himself into a shoot to get out of his contract mm-hmm. and was kind of brilliant when you think about it. So I mean, yeah, it it he worked everybody, including the guys who thought he was that they were helping him work. So wow. Just a masterpiece of psychology by by Pillman in real life. Uh, anyway, so we stand around for a few minutes and no one knows exactly what's happening. Is the match over? Shivani says, well, I guess he won because I respect you. So, okay, and end and of match. Um, eventually, Arn comes out in his uh, polo Oxford and his red shorts and his high-tech uh, hiking boots. He's ready to go uh, as a last-second replacement for Pillman. So they ha- they roll around and have a match for a while. I don't think either one of them really knows what's supposed to happen at this point, because you know they they both you know ask the other to say I respect you and they pardon me both decline. But eventually Flair comes out. This is what I want to hear hear somebody ask Flair about what happened backstage during this time, because Flair basically comes out and says, guys 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 we don't need to be dividing our forces here. We need to focus on Hogan and Savage and beating them. And this and that. So, hey, shake hands. Let's call this a day and be done with it. And that's essentially what happens. So, Sullivan, I guess, wins the first iteration of the match. And then there's a no contest, if that's even... I don't know. It's weird. And it's... At the time, watching it, I guess you'd be like, what the hell is going on? But looking back at it, knowing what Pillman is going to pull off here, you got to tip your hat. This is pretty damn impressive. Uh, in terms of working people in real life, so yeah, that's what happened. Any any, uh, any commentary on that one? Yeah, I mean that's just uh, like you said. It it ends up being rather infamous, and it's just oh uh, hell. Mister Pillman used to uh, wanted to go about it, and and. Bischoff says that this is all part of the plan, and I think he fully believes that. But uh, I, I personally, well, he can't believe that once Pillman shows up in WWF. He must. Well, I mean, the according to Bischoff, the plan was for him to essentially quit them, like during like a live show, and come back to WCW. But that's kind of what he ended up doing to wcw right <laughs> so yeah. um and then yeah because you know, bischoff said his get, actual release and then he gets in you know pillman gets injured uh shortly thereafter after he, right. gets, he gets in the car wreck um so you know and that throws a monkey wrench into all that stuff so i don't know so who knows what was really supposed to happen yeah i don't yeah, think anybody anyway. does but uh, yeah, moving on. Yeah, all right, moving on. Here we go. Footloose and Fancy Free. Uh, we go on to the second uh, tag team title defense. Here we've got the Road Warriors, which is on their their um, title. What, what's it called? What's the um, oh gosh, when they put the names of the wrestlers up on the screen, I can't think of what it's called. Anyway, um, it's one word: Road Warriors. Uh, it doesn't really make any sense. Good job, WCW um, versus. Still the champions, staying in Luger. 
Uh, Luger takes forever. I mean, they draw this thing out about Luger getting in the ring. Sting actually jumps back out of the ring and tries to coax Luger back into the ring or to come into the ring for the first time in this match. And it's, you know, they're playing up that Luger is scared of the Road Warriors, um, I guess, because he's the only one in the match that doesn't have any face paint. And it's just bizarre. Like, I get the story that they're trying to tell, but it takes a long damn time. Anyway. Um, so yeah, Luger is scared, and but as soon as you know the the Road Warriors are down, mostly Animal because Hawk doesn't work a lot in this match either. Um, you know, Luger's ready to jump all over it. So it's, it's, he's a being a chicken shit heel, which is fine. But man, it, it's just how much more obvious can this be in Sting's face? And he doesn't see it. Um, so you know, and, and I wrote down wrote down here, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, I wonder if this match would have been better had the first tag team match been the start of the show and giving them more time to sort of recuperate because it's not a great, great match. I mean, the crowd's into it because they love LOD and they want to see him, um, you know, whoop up on Sting and Luger, which doesn't wind up happening. Uh, Animal Luger brawl outside and they both get counted out. Um, and that that's basically the end of the match. It's just, you know, winds up being a no contest or a double count out, however you want to say it. Um, it was, you know, I don't know. It was weird. It's kind of flat. For me, so I'm I'm gonna say uh, thumbs uh, down for this one. I'll, I'll give the last one uh, thumbs down as well because of the match itself was confusing. Now it's impact on wrestling and what it became wrestling lore. Thumbs way up for, as far as Pillman and, and Sullivan, but for watching it live, watching it happen, yeah, it's that's a thumbs down. Anything on uh, the second tag team defense here, Ryan? Yeah, I don't really understand what it was there for. Um, yeah, I give it a star. So, yeah, so um, we're gonna have Ric Flair uh, come out and uh, take on Randy Savage for the first of two cage matches here to end the show. Um, it's God bless Randy Savage. You realize he never lost a title to anyone not named Hogan or Flair. Um, and he stays true to his word right here, losing to Ric Flair uh, in 18 minutes and 52 seconds after not only woman, but now Elizabeth turns too. God bless him. <laughs> and so uh, the, the good guys just can't keep a woman here. So uh, Elizabeth turns on Flair. It's not a it, – it's not the match I would have wanted to see from Flair and Savage because they're quite capable of having an absolute barn burning classic. It, it was fine for what it is. Um, but you know, it, again, everything just seems to be in service of setting up Hogan to go to another title run for that. I'm going to give it a thumbs down. There's just not a whole lot remarkable about it apart from, Oh, Liz turn. Look at that. That's something that happened. About you, Ryan, what, what say you? Well, I mean, you know, enjoyable, but, uh, I'll say this and, you know, we, we touched on, um, woman as, as a manager. I think that Nancy Benoit criminally underrated as yeah. an actual manager, uh, 100%. she, uh, especially if you look at what she did in ECW and did down in Florida with, uh, Sullivan, I mean, and it allowed her to, in other words, the, she was able to do a lot more, I feel like, than she did in WCW. But she was still solid in WCW. 
Uh, yeah. She just had that look about her like she's up to some shit. And, <laughs> you know, and uh, Miss Elizabeth, I know, you know, you got your little complex with her, but. Um, me, she might as well have been a belt. I'm getting at no, hey, it's all about the gold, baby. And uh, I don't know how well I loved her as Liz as well. I mean, she, gosh, she was you can't say that she's not beautiful, she was 100%. Oh, yeah, but you know, as a she like didn't have she, she kindergarten, yeah, she didn't have the heel chops. I don't think she was that great of a heel. Uh, quite like woman was. Um, woman, maybe here's the difference. Woman, you can tell, loved this shit. Mm. Like she was into it. Sorry. And here, here's, and, there. and here's another thing. You know, they talk about how cheap Brandy was, like to the point, like he would even sleep in his car at the airport just to save money. Um, mm-hmm. Let's not forget he had Elizabeth with him, and mm-hmm. so. Like Elizabeth is sleeping in this car with him. And so uh, I gotta, I gotta give her props just, just for that. Having to put up with that stuff. And she should, they should not have, she should not have had to put up with that. Um, but she did. Hey, I think she got, I think both of them should be in the hall, but, uh, anyways, yeah, moving, moving on. Is Liz uh, not in? Liz is not in. Uh, but a uh, woman is not either. And I understand it would complicate things. Like if you, yeah. Her in, then invariably the conversation has got to be had about Chris. So, um, uh, yeah, no, Chris disqualified himself by murdering two people. So, well, that's, I mean, that's the conversation. not, not that a, that qual that the conversation is to put him in just the mere fact that you have to talk about him. Oh yeah. 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 You have to bring him up. Yeah. yeah so, um, it's unfortunate. It's a crime. She should be in, and that's that. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I, I, as far as the match is concerned, it was, it was man, Ric Flair, Randy Savage, typically if they're on the card, that's going to be the best one that you're, yeah. you're going to see. Uh, WrestleMania well, it 8. It was I the think, best match. But... I, think, I think WrestleMania 8 is an absolute master class between those two guys. Um, oh, yeah. It, it's, it was so good. And, you know, when I was a kid, I used to hate watching them because they would have longer matches. My attention span as a kid, I was like, nah, give me 10 minutes, a boot and a leg drop. That that's where, that's what I want to see. That's uh, right, brother. But brother I go, I, I go back and go back and watch it now. Like, this is what I look forward to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, man, bring back the blue cage. Uh, please somebody bring it back. I, I want the blue cage to come back. Um, I want the uh, the escape from the cage rule to be gone. I hate that shit. Well, well, the thing is, like, if you throw somebody into chain link fence, it doesn't hurt. If you throw uh, them, into, cut you up. Yeah, if you run their head across it, yeah, sure, but it ain't gonna knock you out. But if you run them into these blue steel bars here, yeah, that sucks. The salad steel cage. But uh, but yeah. Um, I thought it was a good match. Maybe to they didn't necessarily need Steel Cage, but uh, I thought it was a nice. nice well, they already match. had it up for Hogan and Giant, or they're going to have it up for Hogan and Giants. So might as well use it. Yeah. 
Now, I mean, look, you know, to your point, this is probably, I say it now, probably the best match of the card. I think it, maybe I'm just hamstrung by the fact that it was such a short build. Like, you know, this is all clearly leading to Hogan versus Flair for the time. That, that's what we did. Um, and just, I don't know, it made me wish there were more to it. Maybe put it that way. I, I don't know. That, that might be the best way I can come up. Because this whole Savage and Flair over the title saga is going to be over in, what, three weeks, basically. It, I mean, it's it's a classic Tony Khan, you know, run through the story at, at, at world record speed. So I feel like if we had taken more time, like a WrestleMania 8, and draw out, you know, more of a story between Flair and Savage, then it would feel less like a sideshow because that's really what it does. It's not even the main event of this pay-per-view as we're about to get to. Uh, we got Hogan and, and the Giant in, in the in the main event um, with Jimmy Hart, the Taskmaster, seconding the Giant here in the cage. Um, you know, I'll, I'll level with you. I didn't get to go back and, and uh, watch this again. I'd watched it a, a couple weeks ago, and but I didn't get quite that far with my note-taking th- this time around. Nothing about it really jumped out to me or, or was super memorable. Um, you know, we've got the whole issue with Hogan, um, and, and the spike to the eye, which has already happened. And it's going to come into play again later, I think in the next Nitro, but we're not, uh, you know, th- this particular match just didn't have anything that thrilled me. Um, I don't know. What do you say about that one, Brian? Brian, um, come on. get, the, get the B out of here. Uh, the B. Yeah, I didn't like it. Um, yeah. I really much say outside of that. That's the thing. Like it just kind of petered out. It. Uh, I don't understand. You know, this is. I get that. You know, Hogan's probably your main attraction here, but did you have to make him the main event? Yes. Uh, you could have put him on first, uh, or whatever. Um, but then you got to put the cage up twice. Oh heaven forbid we do that. Right. Um, it takes all of five minutes and zip ties to put it together uh yeah i, I just it's very early into paul white's career he's green as grass and uh yeah he is he had they had to get jimmy hart and test master to help him help this out because it, he just wasn't there yet um and turns out that didn't really help that much uh so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna this one's going to be a pa- this one's going to be a pass for me. Yeah, and you know, overall this this whole pay per view just kind of feels like a placeholder. Um, you know, I don't know if they're on the fast lane to WrestleMania or, or what here, but yeah, it just I don't know. That's that's me. You, you know, you tell me. Um, but you know, we got we've got some good things on the horizon for WCW, and say what you will about this WCW show. A lot of it's better than what's going on in the WWF at the same time. So, you know, the, wrestling is in a low point here in early 96, and it's about to get the kick in the ass that it needs. All right, so the next night on Nitro, so 212, uh, they don't go too far down the street from St. Petersburg to Tampa at the uh, Florida State Fairgrounds. Um, <clears throat> apparently, from what we're being told, this was kind of a sold show. They didn't really expect um, a lot of ticket-buying patrons here, so... It's an interesting uh, show. Again, where we've got uh, a short card here, only four matches, I think. Yeah. Um, so Savage comes down uh, to fight Hugh Morris, uh, and Savage, without his 
typical regalia. He's so upset, apparently, from losing his belt the previous night. At least that's the storyline that uh, Bischoff and Mongo uh, and, and Heenan are selling. So uh, he comes down and, you know, two elbows off the top. He's kind of taking it out on old Hugh here. Uh, pins him in 451. Um, Morris actually went for a moonsault and missed, which is still impressive. He can, he can do that. Big, big fella. Um, match itself, not great, but I will still give the idea a thumbs up. I get, I like Savage's passion and fire here, particularly having been betrayed by Miss Elizabeth. Um, you know, it's, it's a whole thing. Uh, so, you know, we've still got a long, long way to go on the story, uh, potentially. And, you know, I, I like the fire. I'm going to give that a thumbs up. Uh, anything on that one, Ryan? I'm going to go with you on that one. Yeah. Well, next up, we've got the Dungeon of Doom secret weapon, the Loch Ness, Loch Ness Monster. I can't, Dusty can't say it either. He says it back about exactly like I just said, Loch Ness or something like that. But anyway, uh, Dusty can't get it. I can't get it either. Loch Ness Monster, Giant Haystacks is who it is. Uh, Pin Scotty Riggs after two elbows. So a rough couple of weeks for the the American males on Nitro. Um, yeah, Meltzer doesn't care for it. He gives a, a negative half a star. I, it's it's a squash match. I don't know what you want me to tell you. So so thumbs down on that. I mean, whatever. It, uh, I'm, I'm going to butt in on this one. Though. Yeah, please. I wish you would. Go ahead. I remember when Loch Ness uh, debuted uh, as a kid. And I'm just sitting mm-hmm. here looking at this guy like, holy shit. This dude is huge, and he, boy. And, he is, and he is huge. He's six hundred pounds, right? Uh, lays down those uh, elbows pretty heavy on the guy. Um, it, I don't think that there's a way to work a fall from that big man on top of you. Mm-hmm. No, uh, so it hurts. Uh, I really would have liked no jobs. I really would have liked to have seen him get a little bit of a longer run over here. He's not long for WCW. He actually, uh, uh, is uh, they actually find cancer uh, hmm. in him uh, a few months later down this road, and he he passed away in 1998 uh, from hmm. from cancer. So sad ending for uh, Giant Haystacks over here. He was such he was so big over in the UK, like physically and. Uh, in terms of his stardom, a big uh, wrestler, and uh, just just unfortunate it didn't translate uh, too well over here. Of course, he's you know fifty at this point. So right, I was gonna say this is pretty long in the tooth for a Loch Ness. Yeah, and he, I think that he was billed as being almost seven foot tall. I don't think he's, I don't think he was quite that tall, but he's definitely that big. I was gonna say he was heavier than he was tall. But uh, yeah, so. Uh, Unfortunate for giant haystacks. Yeah. So uh, next match as we move move along, you know, you could tell WCW was trying to just get through this show. Um, it, it was a little bit interesting in, in that regard because they just had the big blow off pay per view. Um, well, the set off set up pay per view uh, the previous night. They're just kind of going through the motions on this show. I felt like, um, and, and we had. You know, because this was a, a, essentially a sold show at the fairgrounds. Um, Conan comes back and uh, pins Devin Storm uh, when Storm attempts a Frankensteiner off the top. But then Conan uh, reverses that into a jackknife pin, which actually is pretty cool to see. Uh, you forget how agile Conan was. At this point, I mean, yeah, we, we think I at least think of Conan once the NWO hits, uh, you know, the Cholo, you know, um, 
guy working the mic and, and being kind of the heavy in terms of, uh, you know, the Mexican crew. Um, and, and I have a hard time even calling him a luchador. I mean, he, he was, certainly, but that's not the style I associate him with. But he still kind of had it here uh, at oh, this point. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, let's not forget, he did that commando role clothesline. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was pretty, pretty agile for a big guy. Right. For I mean, he's just a stocky dude. Like, his chest and shoulders just broad. Um, so, anyway. Kind of like, kind of like Donkey Kong. Just... Sure. Yeah, he threw, he threw a good barrel. Yeah. Actually, I think it was Kane that threw stuff. It was like, once Kane, there was, there was this weird thing in like 2001, 2002, where Kane figured out how to throw stuff, and he would do it in every match. I don't know why. He would throw the stairs. He would throw chairs at people. He figured out how to throw things and just did it all the time for a while. It was weird. Anyway, moving on. But I'm bearing the lead here. The big story, the big news Arn Anderson, double A himself. That's right. He pins Hulk, Aloysius Hogan, stop the presses. Arn finally getting the love he deserves. Pinning Hulk Hogan. Come on, man. This is, you know, th this match gets a thumbs up just for that. Now, of course, it's because Woman came out with him. And, you know, uh, midway through, Hogan puts Anderson in the figure four, which, you know, makes Flair get upset because Flair runs down with Elizabeth. Uh, about half of the match. Um, but then Hogan, you know, handles Flair, essentially, uh, after putting Arn in, in, in the figure four here. But then Woman throws powder in Hogan's eyes, and Elizabeth slips the shoe uh, to Anderson, and he gets a, gets Hogan in the head and scores the pinfall. Doesn't matter. That's all semantics. Doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how we got there. Bottom line, Arn Anderson pins Hulk Hogan, and we should all be celebrating that fact right now. Mm. Ryan. Talk to me, baby. Well, you know, it's uh, good, to, good to see Arn, like I said, get the respect he deserves on that. And nobody can take this away from him, but they kind of did the next week. So, uh, yeah, well, you know, it's not the point. But, uh, hey, let's not get bogged down in that sort of this one shining moment. This is March Madness is coming up. If CBS has taught us nothing, it's that there is, it's about one shining moment. And here we and have I it. And Arnie I don't Anderson. know what woman has in her shoe, but it, whatever it is, it must be hard. Um, you mean Liz? Yeah. The woman had the powder. Liz had the spiky shoes. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, good, good for Iron Man. Uh, hold it down for, I guess, well, technically these are two Georgia boys, but one of them actually grew up here. Uh, one of them claims Georgia, yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I'm uh, happy, happy to see that happen. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Honestly, and, and we're out of the ring. So, yeah, so then we have uh, Hogan Savage, Flair, and Anderson are ch issuing challenges back and forth to each other as we go off the air here. Um, Hogan versus Anderson and Flair versus Savage for the title. And coming up, we're all on 219 out of uh, Salisbury, Maryland. Flair does an interview with Woman and Liz coming out in the hospital bed, implying that uh, Space Mountain is uh, <clears throat> sidelined after a uh, you know, little mixed tag team action or maybe a mixed handicap tag on one uh, uh he's banging both of them is what he's getting at here um so yeah it's a it's a whole thing um and flair god bless him he's still doing his shtick here in 96 and it's still pretty over at this point so yeah uh, yeah not a bad little show coming off the uh coming coming off the pay-per-view but like i said it does feel at times like they're going through the motions but I think really they're just putting all their weight behind this main event storyline now that Pillman's gone. 
Yes, sir. I agree with that. But uh... All right. Well, there was no Raw uh, this week for the the uh, go home before in your house. So take us to in your house on February 18th, right? That would be correct, sir. Um, of course, we're starting this uh, big, big uh, event. It's going to be 550 people in the gardens. Um, the dark match is going to be Jake Roberts getting the pin over Tatanka with a DDT at 536. Uh, Jake getting the big pop when he came out, but, uh, you know, Jake's in pretty bad shape here. So, uh, yeah. And uh, apparently, crowd didn't care for it. Uh, Vader and Cornette did an interview with Cornette basically saying that Vader would get involved on the show. And um, they teased that Vader would be uh, added to the card at the last minute in a match as a sleazy last second attempt to get buys. Um, basically, this is on the main event leading to the pay per view. This is on the free TV. Um, so the free for all. Yeah. And, and, you know, they, they, to their credit, you know, WWF really pushed Vader pretty hard here for these, these first couple of months in 90s in 96. Uh, cause he's a name. I mean, obviously he's, uh, I hate to say that they poached talent from WCW, but he was there first. Uh, well, everyone does. I mean, it's back and forth. I mean, come on. Yeah. And, uh, and neither was booked to wrestle on the card. But uh, anyways, uh, for all legitimate complaints, uh, Vince McMahon makes about WCW. When it comes down to the core thing, he's guilty of a lot of them himself, according to Meltzer. Bingo. Uh, so he's... According no, to me. Well, and I'm not, saying that Mel, I'm not saying that Meltzer's off on that. So we start off with quite possibly the greatest match of all time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be Razor Ramon taking on one, two, three, kid. In a crybaby match, uh, it, it's uh, so. This is uh, I'll I'll back off a little bit on this. When I was growing up, I had um, a lot of those uh, Coliseum home videos, not the bad ones, the good ones. I was gonna say the porns or the uh... yeah, the the good ones, the porns. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> no, the wrestling. Uh, home videos and uh this match was on it and i probably have seen this match no less than a thousand times um <laughs> and uh as a matter of fact uh, doc Hendricks was the one hosting the uh the uh show uh that showed all these matches yeah well... and i believe that uh his his i'm trying to think of what his uh synopsis was of this he said uh this was uh you know some people say that this was this match was a little silly because uh the kid had a had a bottle in his hand and a diaper on his butt uh at the end of the match but it was actually pretty good in the ring uh and 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 he's that's where i stand on this um yeah for all intents and purposes the creative element is 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 silly uh and you know they're calling it a baby bottle match but in the in the video it's called a crybaby match i don't know what the hell it is anyways but it was uh matter of fact i want to say it was the most memorable matches or something like that it had this one it had the uh, jerry the king lawler kiss my foot match and the triple mm. h uh henry godwin uh 
a hog pin match. Hot hog pin match. I had that in there, and a, I think it was Mabel and uh, Taker in a in a casket match as well. But uh, yeah, so basically, it was just nothing but gimmick matches. And um, yeah, uh, Ted DiBiase threw the baby powder in uh, Razor's eyes to give Kid an advantage, and uh, Kid used a sleeper, uh, which uh, neither Ramon nor the announcers had a clue on how to effectively sell. And I remember that the razor's just <laughs> kind of like a mummy. Uh, didn't quite work. Um, they went to uh, several near falls before DBIC distracted the ref and threw the baby powder to bottle the kid. And kid uh, poured the powder in his hands, but Ramon turned around. He kicked the uh, kid in the hands. And the powder went into his eyes, of course. I saw that coming. Mm -hmm. uh, Ramon uh, used, one, uh, used uh, one razor's edge and refused to pin Kid, but then did so after a second one. Uh, so, one, two, three, Kid gets uh, two razor's edges. Razor's edge, razor edges. Anyways. Uh, razor's edge eye, I think. Edge almost. Uh, edges. Anyways, our. Uh, so he gets two of them for his troubles, one, two, three. And then uh, Ramon puts the baby bottle in Kid's mouth, uh, through the powder in DiBiase's eyes. DiBiase's trying to run in there and get him some. And uh, he puts the diaper on Kid. And uh, Razor looks like he's done it before. So uh, good for him. Uh, of course, uh, Razor gets the win here. And uh, Kid uh, revives after the razor razor's edges and uh when he figured out that he had the diaper on he starts crying so hence the cry baby hence the cry baby match smelter gives it three stars i think that's pretty pretty fair uh this was uh actually the second greatest match of all time with triple h getting the pin over duke the dumpster drosy um you know, I, I'll say this, dude. Drosy not bad in the ring. No, he's, he's it's not. just a shame he got a, it's a crappy gimmick. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I love his finisher, the trash compactor. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, but uh, anyways, they for whatever reason they didn't really have the best chemistry here. Uh, after a power slam, Drosy uses new finishing mover, finishing mover, finishing maneuver called the trash compactor. Yeah, it's basically a spinning, a spinning power slam, mm -hmm. but it's a little bit more than that. It's kind of over. It's a spin and uh, kind of like a Davy Boy power slam. Uh, right. Yeah, that kind of snap, flip around. Yeah, over your shoulder mm -hmm. type deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, he threw the lid into the ring and accidentally hit Helmsley in the mouth and split his lip open. <laughs> And then tried to bring the can can in, and as the ref uh, tried to stop him, Helmsley got the lid and hit Drosy uh, with it for the pin. So Meltzer gives it a star and a half. Eh, I'm going to give it two. Uh, I I think that Drosy is criminally underrated in the ring. He just, like you said, he had a had a crap gimmick. Didn't really have much to much to deal with on that. So up next we got. Well, it uh, kind of stands out. I mean, just real quick on, on Duke here. I mean, like. And I noticed it as I was watching this pay-per-view, like this gimmick stands out. Like it seems like it's of another time because in, in 1996, we're getting towards 
you know, the attitude era and the money, well, the money that wars are going, but they're really about to heat up this year. But this seems like a relic already. Uh, this, you know, garbage van gimmick. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's all I want to say about that. Yeah. Well, up next, we got Yoko, uh, getting over on Davy boy, uh, via DQ. And, uh, th- this was just not good at all. Uh, Yoko really has lost <laughs> the only thing he has lost is steam, uh, on his character. Cause he is getting big. Uh, yeah, much he is massive here. Uh, he is, and he's slower. And uh, Yoko just doesn't work too well as a babyface, uh, in my opinion. And it's 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 really unfortunate because he was so he's so agile in the ring, even at this size. But I mean, mm-hmm. th- this guy was blown up within the first minute and a half. Um, yeah, I just, mean, and Davey Boy is not a track champion himself, but I mean, the, you know. Good Lord. But, uh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, they, they continue to beat on, uh, Yokozuna, which was, uh, Vader and, uh, Davey boy. Um, and they made several comebacks. Yoko did before being beaten down until finally all of them, uh, they, uh, George Steele comes in on this one. Uh, yeah. not one. That well, he's I, an agent at this point, right? Yeah. So he's, he was yeah, there. Yeah, not one. Uh, Bret Hart's not a fan of George Steele, by the way. No, no, he is not. He would fine you for being two minutes late. Uh, which... And Bret notoriously, uh, typically more than two minutes late. Yeah, uh, which, hey, best way to avoid that, Bret, show up on time. Show up show early. On time. Uh, early is on time and on time is late. Um, no, that's bullshit. Be there at starting time. Okay, that's the starting time. Do you want starting time earlier? Make it earlier. And, on time is on time. And uh anyways. And Clarence Mason also runs in to break things up. Melzer gives it a star. <laughs> He's being generous. Um yeah, Camp Cornet's falling apart here before our very eyes here and on the next uh raw we're gonna cover. Yeah, not not working out too well for Mr. Corny. Up next, probably got the best match of the night. Shawn Michaels getting the pin on Owen Harden fifteen fifty seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michaels danced on the roof of the house set and used a rope to come down for his ring entrance. Uh, more on that entrance later. Uh, mm-hmm. the two had expected, uh, had the expected excellent match, although nowhere close to Brett versus Davy boy in, uh, December. I don't know. Nowhere close I, to two I, different I, people. The, the, I've, I've seen the Brett and Davy boy match and they have great matches. Don't get me wrong, but this is just as good. If not better. Oh, yeah. Uh, Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart, two of the best workers in the world at this time. I mean, this is a great match. I mean, uh, Shawn does me, uh, From the moment Shawn comes off the uh, America's Funniest Home video set they got going on over there, uh, yeah, this is a great match. Yeah, Michaels in the early moments, he uh, did a twisting plancha off the top rope to, on the floor on Hart, and uh, after Michael suplex Hart on the floor, he came off the apron and Hart turned into a crossbody into a power slam on the floor. That was good. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they can, they, uh, Hart blew his nose on Michael's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael's going to get his revenge on that next year. Yeah. Finally, uh, Hart hit the enziguri, which was key, uh, storyline point, knocking Michael's to the floor. Uh, Hart, 
brought Michaels back in, but Michaels uh, kicked out of the pin attempt, finished all uh, Michaels go for the super kick, but miss. Then Hart went for the Enziguri and missed. And finally, Michaels hit uh, the super kick for the win. Meltzer gives it four stars. I think he's right on with that. I think it's a great match. It's definitely the match of the night. And yeah. uh, I couldn't imagine it being a whole lot better, honestly. Um, maybe maybe some, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how you make that better. I think it, I think it's good as it is. So Stacy Healer. Master's <laughs> got my blanket answer to make anything better. But yeah. Apart from that, you I mean this is a great match, yeah. Yes, I will agree with that. And uh, of course the uh, main event of the evening here is Bret Hart getting the win over Diesel in a cage match to retain the WWF title. And um this is all part of the whole build for Diesel and taker at mania uh, basically mm -hmm. diesel was about to go out the door for a win uh taker came from under the ring and grabbed his foot and dragged him under the ring to hell uh yes i distinctly remember undertaker uh coming in and saying it'll be a cold day in hell before diesel gets the belt uh and diesel on commentary uh i think either on is it on raw the night after this where he says it was negative 70 in hell today or something like that so he's yeah. kind of referencing that yeah yeah and <laughs> uh anyways Hart then escaped the case Sorry. man uh to come out of the show once again as a second tier star underneath taker what shut up Meltzer. uh that's silly yeah, Meltzer has these has these couple of people that no matter what, he's always going to shit on, even when he gives them good scores. Brett well, Hart's I wonder if he talked to Brett here. He says he's, he's talking. Yeah, he's shitting on Brett. But I wonder if he talked to Brett here because this is the match, is it not? Where Brett said basically, or yeah, you know, the the story is as Kevin Nash tells it that Brett thought that this made him look weak with Undertaker doing the uh, the interference to to cost Diesel the match. And Undertaker basically says to Brett in the back, motherfucker, not everything is about you. Yeah. Right? Isn't so that this match? Is, I think that is yeah. this match. Because like, this is about setting up Taker and Diesel at WrestleMania. This isn't about – you. yes, you're the champion, but this specific finish is to set up something else that's not involving you. So yeah, no, I mean it's it's funny to me because hearing that report from Meltzer makes me think that's something Brett would have said. It's like I felt like a second fiddle guy on my own show. Anyway, anyways, um, moving on to to that, there was a. I thought you know for an in your house, this was one of the stronger ones. Um, Absolutely, as far as the uh, in ring uh, talent is concerned. Of course, there's a, excuse me, there's a, uh, we have a Monday Night Raw, of course, coming up the next. Uh, well, before we get away from the 19th. Before we get on, uh, away from the In Your House, though, I do want to point out that this was a strong In Your House, but it doesn't even have Mr. In Your House on it yet. Uh, we saw vignettes for, and we'll see one on this coming up, Nitro, but we saw one on the previous Nitro, for uh, mankind to come in, 
And as we all know, Mick Foley is Mr. In Your House because no one came up bigger when the stakes were lower. Um, and uh, I, it just, to me, it's a snapshot of where wrestling is about to go, man. It's a powder keg about ready to explode. We've just seen, uh, you know, um, the ringmaster come in and as we're going to see on this raw, they start sprinkling in the stone cold terminology through his match, but we're seeing vignettes for mankind. Uh, you know, Razor and Diesel are about to, to jump ship. We're priming up for an exciting summer. Are we yeah. not, Ryan? And none more evident when you look at Razor Ramon's last match right here on Raw uh, mm. against Goldust. Uh, this is his last, this is the last time we will see the Scott Hall uh, Razor Ramon character in a ring. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and uh, you, they own Razor Ramon. So. Yes, technically, technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. And so, uh, you know, Goldust uh, gets thrown. <laughs> Uh, he does his um, follow-away slam, throwing Goldust just flat on his ass out of, out on the uh, out on the uh, concrete outside. Well, it's a pad, but nevertheless, he gets thrown out, and uh, Razor Ramon actually gets on the uh, gets on the commentary as this is going on. He says, "I don't even care about this belt. This is for the WWF Intercontinental Title, by the way. I don't care anything about this championship. I want Goldust's ass." Woo. Okay. Excuse well, me. Isn't that what got you in this trouble to begin with? <laughs> but, uh, right. but, uh, anyways, well, he gives a whole promo about we don't want to see this in front of our kids or whatever. Yeah, whole deal. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, uh, this is a, a, I believe it's a double count out on this one. And, uh, Razor Ramon, uh, gets the nothing as well as the gold dust gets the nothing in this one. And of course, well, let me ask you something, JD. Please. Your, what is your favorite skip and zip match? This one. You sure? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, yeah, skip and zip. God bless them. Uh, of course, uh, being to Dr. Tom Pritchard and, and um, oh, Chris Candido. Uh, Capable workers, great workers, one might even say, but maybe missing something in the personality department. I'm sorry to say. That's why they have Sonny. That's why she's there. Uh, oh, which, the man, did they ever use Sonny uh, on these intros into Raws and pay per views? Wow. She is she, all she the is way live. All the way live, baby. Woo. I got a lot of time My for that. She uh, gives you a nice little vignette of. Uh, uh, happy birthday, Boobs. Mr. President. Um, Which was weird. Yeah, they didn't say who that was for. I mean, I guess that's uh, to be determined, but yeah, it I, was. Initially, I thought that that was for Piper. Uh, Maybe. Because he is, so. he, is Playing some he is he is kayfabe uh, the, the president right now. Um, so we've but the funny got... thing is they showed Bob Backlund right after that. I'm like, is she going for Bob Backlund here? That's fantastic. Yeah, Bobby, get you, get you a piece, baby. <laughs> yeah. And of course the Bob Backlund, the sex machine he is. Oh, you, uh, you know it, man. Making, making his way down the, uh, looks like the nosebleed section, uh, <laughs> stage left as you, uh, as you walk out on the, uh, on the ramp, uh, make, make yeah. the, make the entrance. And yeah. so, well, of course, we got the body Donis taking on uh, Barry Horowitz and Aldo Montoya. I mean, between those four people, you were talking about some good hands in the ring right here. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, 
These are what they refer to as carpenters. I think we brought that up on the show before. They're not going to draw your house. That's an architect, but they will build your house. I mean, they, you know, they, these guys are, you need this level, this kind of stratum of talent of good workers, solid workers, but they're not going to get over anybody. Um, and that's what all of these guys are. God bless them. But yeah, we've got uh, those guys going at it right here. Uh, I think it's a, a great, great, uh, as far as in rink is, is concerned, up until the finish, thought it was good. Uh, yeah. And I've got a lot of time for 1996, Sunny. And so. Well, she's got a lot of time now. Was it uh, 30 years? Hey, you 17 know, years. Yeah. Oh, you know what we should do? We should send her a letter. We should. Uh, Maybe we should be on the podcast. We should, uh, you know, how much time do they get on the phones? I don't know. Don't they charge you every 20 minutes? Not her. Not us. Comes off her book. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure she gets some honey buns and cigarettes. And I hear, uh, I hear uh, ramen noodles is the new currency. Oh, yeah. Um, But uh, anyways, so, yeah, of course, course, uh, Vader does. I say poor Sonny. Of course, Vader does the run in with uh, Mm -hmm. and is wearing a sweat suit. uh, And his mask. And his mask. Which... <laughs> I was like, what the hell are you doing? I want to know where the hell his do-rag is at. You know, I want do-rag Vader in this. Do-rag movie. Vader is best Vader. That's true. <laughs> and, we saw uh, that a couple weeks ago. And, of course, uh, it looks like Vader uh, punches Aldo Montoya the first time. Aldo does not sell it. Vader looks back oh down. Hey, God, you're going to sell it. Uh, buddy, that was the <laughs> wrong thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm not going to have a No. You're gonna sell this, and uh, Vader tees <laughs> off on the next one. He sells that one. <laughs> yeah, you're either yeah, gonna sell or choice. I'm gonna make you sell. That's how that's gonna work. Easy way uh, or hard way, brother. And I think you, <laughs> I think he power bombs pretty much all of them. And yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah anyway, so there's just dead bodies all over the ring. <laughs> yes, they're all dead now. And. uh yeah, you still. scoffed at me, but this was a good match until that happened, and you know this was entertaining. I, yes, this is my favorite Skippins match. I'm yeah. gonna stick with it. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of another one. I, I just remember the one match where Barry Horowitz beat Chris Candido. Yeah. That's, hey, you put some respect on that as former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Chris Candido. Yeah. And so uh, up next, there's the Ringmaster uh, taking on Marty Jannetty, and. Yeah, you know, hey, Marty's oh, gonna give Marty. you Marty's gonna give you a good match, man. Oh, uh, no one has ever questioned Marty's ability in the ring. It's just questioning everything else about Marty. Yeah, which is uh, which is fair game. So I mean, in ring. Oh, he could go. It was, it was a good match again. You know, of course, the ringmaster gets the win. Um, but I mean, yeah, this is where they start sprinkling the Stone Cold. Excuse me, knew, terminology. You knew coming in or coming out on this. Marty Janetti is losing this and he's losing it fairly quickly. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> so uh, uh, I thought it was good and good to see Marty getting some work. Hey, Marty getting a paycheck. All right. I'm for yeah. it. Hey, I'm for it. And of course, we get well, we get some vignettes here of the Ultimate Warrior making uh, his return and, of course, of man. about that. Um, and so there was uh, that going on. And, of course, uh, Taker, uh, for some reason, is taken on Tatanka, and uh, sure. he get, gets the win on Tatanka on that one. Uh, this is heel Tatanka, 
of course. And uh, is this million dollar corporation, Tonka? What was his affiliation there? Okay, that's it is. Ha, 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 ha. Money, 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 money. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Kind of. A... Yeah. Now I knew he turned a million dollar corporation. And is this the time? I don't know if it's right now, but he has the the Memphis belt, which is really the AWA belt um, at one point. Because um, what I mainly remember about it is it's kind of the first appearance of the heel Mister McMahon character. He does some vignettes, some promos for the Memphis territory uh, as a favorite of lawyer lawyer lawler <laughs> sorry 40 and slip there events and the lawyers now uh but he's got the uh the awa the unified championship as they call it in memphis uh and vince says he's got it around his slivet waist going for svelte there but uh but vince <laughs> god bless him doesn't know the word svelte it's, it's slivet waist <laughs> uh anyway that, that's a side story from this but go ahead i didn't even notice that um so, well, that wasn't on this raw. That was actually so, it was a Memphis promo, but it, it's funny. I gotcha. So uh, you know, JD, we we talk about the great matches that that you could have. This is a dark match on this one. Diesel yeah. and Shawn Michaels versus Jake Roberts and the Undertaker. Well, there's a couple of uh, dark matches on here. Uh, Ahmed Johnson and the British Bulldog, Duke Drosy and Triple H in a steel cage match. And Diesel and Shawn Michaels taking on Jake Roberts and The Undertaker. These are the dark matches from Raw. Why did I not get to see that match? So, you know, instead of putting on one of these dark matches, why don't we do Larry Fling Live with special guest Billionaire Ted? Billionaire Ted. Yeah. Back in the main event slot again. I, I'm yeah. I can't say any more about these. I I've said what I think of these things, and this is crap. This is garbage. Absolute utter bullshit. I would rather see literally rather see Duke Josie and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Does Sunny know another song? I'll listen to that. I mean, yeah. Can she get out there and dance around? She ain't even got to sing. She ain't got to I mean, I'll sit through the singing if I have to. I mean, just put her on top of the cage and, you know, she's, that'll make me climb it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get to the top of the cage, let me tell you. <laughs> that'll set me free, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, so that's, I don't know when these Billionaire Ted uh, sketches stop, but I hope it's soon. Isn't it WrestleMania? I, I, they do carry it into WrestleMania. I don't. Yeah, I think I think it ends at WrestleMania, which is a month and change away, maybe six weeks away at this point. So you you're not done with these. And again, to your point earlier, talk about an audience of one. My God, and Golden Himmel, as the, our German friends would say, this is embarrassing. Like I have secondhand embarrassment for Vince on it because this is so bad. And again, it's aged like absolute milk with the whole thing about defrauding shareholders. And, and you know, Ted Turner, God bless him, a storied uh, and well-traveled individual. But as far as anyone knows, as far as I've ever heard, everything he's ever done has been consensual. So he's got that on you, Vince. My God. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was actually uh, 
I will say this uh, is probably one of the more entertaining raws so far this year in 1996. Yeah. Uh, Damning with faint praise, but yeah, it was better than the previous week's raw, which didn't yeah. exist. Yeah. Uh, light years better than that. But uh, anyways, uh, on to Nitro. Here we go. And as I said earlier, we are in Salisbury, Maryland. Is that where the stakes come from? Yes. Okay. So uh, we ended, we start this Nitro much as we ended the last one with Arn Anderson beating that Hulk Hogan ass. And God bless him for it. Uh, Anderson beats Hogan via DQ this time around. Um, Hogan had Anderson in the figure four. I did, I, maybe he saw that replay that I was talking about earlier where it shows you basically how to put on the figure four because he's figured it out. Sullivan runs down, and then Savage runs in for the save. However, although Savage started running second, his legs are a lot longer than Sullivan, so he gets there first. Um, and even though he didn't touch anyone, as Meltzer points out, the referee DQs Hogan, uh, giving Anderson back-to-back wins. Over Hulk Hogan, baby. That is called a one more, and that's called a winning streak, my friend. <laughs> double A over Double H. God bless America. What a time to be alive. Um, uh, by the Meltzer way, I, that, I just want to follow up on Salisbury. I wish you would. Uh, it's actually named by the guy who created it, James Salisbury, and he's from New York. So, no, it's not from the, there. Did he make the steaks? Or yeah, he made, made the specifically the Salisbury gravy. Oh, the great, yeah. Well, the gravy with the mushrooms, particularly that that's when you know you got the good stuff. Yeah, the good so, stuff. It's not just the gravy, you got a little mushroom in there. Good stuff. All right. So, moving on. Uh, Meltzer says this was uh, a bad match. Meltzer is wrong because Ar- Arn Anderson, did I mention, beat Hulk Hogan two times in a row? And I'm very, very happy to hear that. Um, so, moving on. Then they cut, show a show close up of, as Dusty says, my man, Steve Gristom. Who is Steve Grissom, you might ask? No one knows. He drives the WCW car and in, in I don't even know it was he even at the Winston Cup level or was he was he in the dirt tracks? What, what I don't you know more about racing than I do. I have no idea. Okay, well I don't either. So it's a it's a draw then. So they show him, nobody cares. Um so yeah. It shows uh the apparently he won a race, the Goodies 300 on, in Daytona, which is nice. So it's not the Daytona 500, it's the Goodies 300. Now, is that I don't know if that's the Goodies headache powder or the Goodies clothing store 300, but whatever he won it with Harlem Heat, Sting, and Luger in the pit. Now, as we have learned from Tony Schiavone, Stevie Ray is a big race guy, he's a big racing fan. Uh, do I have that right? He is. Yeah, Stevie Ray's a, a big time NASCAR fan, so I imagine it was a great a great thrill for him. So I'm glad he got he was able to do that. Um, moving on, we've got the Loch Ness monster again pinning Das Wunderkind Alex Wright with a he- heavy elbow. Um, Meltzer would say that Wright did just about as good as possible possible in this match, um, which made it a dud. Again. Did they just move Alex right up too quickly? I, I think with maybe a couple more years of seasoning on him, he could have really been a big star. He's got, you know, all the ability in the world. He looks good. He's got a marketable look, uh, a, a particularly for an international market. Uh, you know, he's you know, German. Uh, yeah, I think they could have really bolstered their their image in, in Europe with this guy. What did he miss apart from the dancing being weird? 
Uh, I think it was mostly the accent and the talking. Uh, Flair was such a big fan of him. I uh, like him. I, yeah, I wish he had done more. Because I, I, thought, I thought in ring, he was one of the better ones. Yeah. Uh, For his age, that, particularly. Of that, of that cruiserweight slash TV title comp- mm-hmm. uh, division. Uh, I thought he was one of the better ones. I always enjoyed his matches. I thought that he could, he had a really pretty dropped kick. Uh, oh, it was beautiful. Which uh, I didn't mention it, but Buff had a great drop kick in his oh, match yeah, with Flair. They, they that was can, beautiful. They, Holy they can crap! Get, when you can get parallel with the ground, yeah. it, it's it's awesome. Uh, but yeah, um, Alex Wright had a great one. I, I, and that German suplex was pretty too. Um, mm-hmm. So, well, because he's actually German, so it works for him. Well, it's just a suplex to him. It's but seventeen, uh, yeah, exactly. Seventeen percent more effective though. <laughs> Uh, as a uh, final solution, yeah, sure. Uh, but whoa, anyways, whoa, whoa, whoa. that came out of nowhere. Holy cow! It's going to move right along to uh, the Belfast. No, first of all, you start talking about Germany; it's just a matter of time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyways, this, not, was, this was Loch Ness. This wasn't Barry Horowitz. You leave him alone. <laughs> all right, the Belfast Bruiser Dave Finley. Now, this is uh, I think this is Finley's uh, fit, what, who would become Fit Finley's debut in wcw and he's still got this bizarre half-assed um mad max looking leather jacket he's got hair at this point he's got the 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 dark brown mullet which is always fun to see and a mustache which is playful here in 1996 uh so he looks like 100 dollars uh he he pins brad armstrong god bless brad talk about we talk about alex right talk about a guy who had everything you want in the ring and God bless him. Nothing outside of it. Brad Armstrong uh, does the job here in 6:49 with a power slam. Meltzer points out for such two such, two such good workers, this never got going. Well, yeah, I mean, it just it was a it was basically a setup for Finley to become a foil for Regal, and that's what the announcers kind of harped on um, and, during this match. And you see Brad Armstrong coming out for a match, you know who's winning the match. And it ain't him. Um, but God bless him. What a great worker. What a great hand in the ring. I, if so, I don't know what it would have taken to unlock him and make him the star that I think he could have been. But it just never never happened for him, unfortunately. Anyway, moving on. Um, Flair would pin Savage to retain the title uh, in a match which uh, Meltzer gives three and a half stars. Uh, both had their working boots on this match. Woman throws a shoe into the ring, but uh, Savage gets it and KOs Flair. At this point, Hogan and Sullivan come down and do run-ins, distracts the ref, and Arn comes in for a run-in, hits the DDT on Savage, which allows Flair to score the pin. So basically, this is let's just call it what it is, Arn Anderson Appreciation Night. Come on. He it's, beats it's, Hogan. It's put-over-arm week. Yeah, baby. I am here for put-over-arm night seven nights a week, baby. Come on. Uh, a win over Hogan and a setup for Flair. I mean, my goodness, is, is Arn Anderson not the hardest working man in sports entertainment? I submit that he is. Um, so the booty man comes down, which is fun. Uh, so they're going to set up a six man tag between the booty man and Hogan and Savage uh, versus Flair and Anderson and Sullivan. So they never <laughs> mention. Uh, so much pain in that voice. <laughs> God bless them. They keep trying. Um, 
So, yeah, the, the point is here, like two weeks ago, Ed Leslie was Zodiac for the Dungeon of Doom, and now he's just not that anymore. I mean, why? Why? Why not? Why, why is Ed Leslie? That's all I got to say. Why is Ed Leslie? I don't, I don't know. So anyway, yes, yeah, so that happened. It was a good show up to that point. That's right. Yeah, that was it. That's, I mean, yeah, that's all. <laughs> That's that, that's the thing. That, that's it. That's over. It's it's over. It's done. Well, I mean, it's Ed Leslie's next to last gimmick until the disciple comes around, right? So, um, mm-hmm. so we got the booty man, and we'll soon see the diamond doll turn into the booty babe, which is is fun for everybody. But uh, I'm huh. sorry, but that that name is gotta be the funniest damn. Is the booty man? The booty what man. What about his finisher? The high knee. The high right? knee. High, the high knee. knee. <laughs> Get it? It's like a butt. <laughs> and I don't really. The NWO cannot get here fast enough. Let me just say that. Aside from the fact that I don't get it, his outfit is just Brutus with the, yeah. with the ass cut out. <laughs> And have some sort of mesh put in. Am I supposed to think that? Listen, if nothing else, I don't know what screams tough guy. If not, you know, tights with mesh ass cheeks. Like that's a tough guy right now, there. That's somebody uh, you need I'll, to worry I'll about. I'll say this: I got a ton of time for the booty babe. Uh, oh, the booty babe is you know, come on, the diamond doll, the bad girl. Come on. I mean, she definitely she definitely extended. That uh, the life of the booty Whoa, man. Hey, let's not talk about all the things she extended. Well, we're not. All right, never mind. I'm just going to pass on the huge reaction thing. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think. Uh, uh, you know what? Now I have a question to ask Eric. There what you go. There you go. What were you thinking? <laughs> I'm your booty man. Now, I'll tell you. I can go ahead and answer that for you. I was keeping Hogan happy. That that's the answer. His weed carrier, as they say. Well, and I, <laughs> and, and, I and I distinctly remember uh, when Hogan wins the title from the Giant at uh, what was that Road Wild Hog Wild? Uh, yeah, Hog Wild, I think still. And before they got sued by uh, by, by Harley Davidson, had to call it uh, Road Wild. Yeah, the Booty Man. Brings in a congratulatory cake. Uh, this is uh, the booty man. Again, brings in a cake, a booty cake. Yeah, as a congratulations, and Hogan then takes that cake, and of course smashes it into the booty man's face. Beats him up, and he says, "If I will do this to my friend the Booty Man, I will do this to him." Now, was that Booty Man or was that Disciple? He called him the Booty Man. He was he was dressed like the Disciple. All right, but but because I was gonna say, I remember like there was a there was a thing where he had an NWO gut check one one time, and the Disciple came out for the NWO gut check, and he like 
beats the shit out of him. And he's like, I'll do that to him. Imagine what I'll do to you, Sting, or whatever it was, huh? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah, this is after he, he wins on the uh... Booty Man gets beat up a bit. Uh, he does. Hogan. But hey, you know what? He got paid. That's what he did. Uh, he got he got paid, so. Um, so God bless him. Apparently, they don't talk anymore again. Um, oh, no. I hate to see that. His uh, Missy. Speaking uh, of things. Missy speak- Beefcake, I think is her name. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, uh, apparently, not a lot of people like her. So. Well, I was going to say, speaking of things I hate to see, uh, she did threaten to flash Marty Jannetty in that Dark Side of the Ring episode. Um, which I don't know is a more of a less a flash and more of a tumble at this point. They they probably just kind of flop out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it was rough. Uh, all right. So anyway, that was Nitro. Uh, believe me, fans, there are better days ahead this year. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> we've got the. Uh, we will stomp out the remnants of uh, 1995, 1994, 1993, pretty much all of Jim Hurd shit uh, yeah. here in a few months. So, um, but anyways, JD, I think we have uh, sufficiently put everybody to sleep. Uh, oh yeah. And if we have any listeners, we, we don't anymore. We, uh, we her we should be through <laughs> by now and, and, and caught up. Uh, oh, no, we're caught up. We're officially caught up. Now we're going to have to record again this week to make sure we get this next week up. But we're, we're good. We have fulfilled our obligations to our sponsors, which is nobody. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, that being said, JD, do you have anything else you would like to add? Arn Anderson. That's it. That's that's the add in. All right. Well, Arn said, Anderson. I will bid our listening audience adieu. I do.